Blog Talk Radio. You deserve the glory and the honor. Lord, we lift our heads in worship as we praise your holy name. You deserve the glory and the honor. Lord, we lift our hands in worship as we bless your holy name. You deserve, you deserve the glory and the honor.
of a faithful God. Awesome is your name. You do mighty things. <laughs> you do glory. You're a faithful God. Your name is Yahweh. Your name is Yahweh. You're a miracle working God. Your name is Your name is Yahweh. Your name is Yahweh. You're a miracle working God. Your name, you want to declare it. Your name, your name, your name is. Thank you, God. <coughs> Thank you, Yeshua. Thank you, Jehoshua. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. His name is Yahweh. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Yeshua. Thank you, Jehoshua. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, God. Hallelujah. Holy is thy name, O Lord. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Yeshua. We are thankful for the opportunity God gave us to share his word, share his revelation before the return of Jesus. Amen. Before the return, before he returned, Jesus is about to return for his bride, the Hermes herself, ready. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hope everyone can hear me fine tonight. Thank you, Lord, before we go ahead and we begin our program tonight. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. What an awesome, awesome God we serve. What a good God. What a great God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Yeshua. Hallelujah. Hope every uh, we are coming in. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Brother Robert. Highly appreciated. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. I have to share a revelation from the Lord I received this morning about the resurrection of the dead. Thank you, Lord. So I have to make sure we are coming in loud and clear before, hallelujah, we share the revelation. Amen. Thank you, Lord. It needs to be recorded. It needs to be a witness before, hallelujah, all ends. It needs to be a witness. My brother and my sister, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Yeshua. Hallelujah. Everything is being recorded in heaven. So we also on earth need to have this recording. Thank you, Lord. The Lord says yes. Hallelujah. We need to have this recording. My brother and my sister, uh, people can always go to the archive and follow up and, and see what God has said through us. 
as a confirmation of the things to come. There's so much coming, especially this year. So everything needs to be recorded so people can go back and say, yes, God did reveal this. The prophet of the Lord just spoke what was coming. We have the evidence. The recording is there. People will have to have a reference to go back and, you know, thank you, Lord, and say, hey, God did say this. Hallelujah. We have no excuse. We should have repented. We should have been ready for it. Hallelujah. All that is coming, my brother and my sister. So thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We must be the voice of God while he's coming. He's using us for his glory and his praise in the last days. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Yeshua. Thank you, Jehoshua. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Yeshua. So let's go into the word of God, my brother and sister. Hallelujah. Uh, The revelation I receive is the restoration of the dead. The resurrection of the dead, my brother and my sister. Amen. And that's where we are going to go into the word of God. Thank you, Jesus. And hallelujah. And 1 Thessalonians 4.13, hallelujah. We begin about those, the title of those who die in Christ on the Amplified Bible. Now we do not want you to be uninformed, believers, about those that are asleep and death. So that you will not grieve for them, as the other do that have no hope beyond this present life. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, as in fact he did, even so God in the same way, by raising them from the dead, will bring him those believers who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For we say this to you by the Lord's own words that we who are still alive remain unto the coming of the Lord will in no way proceed unto his presence those believers who have fallen asleep and death. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a shout of command, with the voice of an archangel, with the blast of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And we who are alive and remain on the earth simultaneously be cut up, raptured together with them, the resurrection one in the cloud, to meet the Lord in the air, so we will all always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort and encourage one another with these words concerning the reunion with the believer who die. Amen. Thank you, Lord. This word is so alive. It is just so alive, and it's so accurate to come to pass, this First Thessalonians. My brother and my sister, I'm glad that, that that's, that's what I'm reading first. Because I tell you, that's what I experienced this morning as the Lord took me to me, those rising up again, my brother and my sister. Hallelujah. What a great experience that was, I tell you. I'm going to share in a few. We have got to first got to go into the Word of God. And hallelujah, Matthew 22, 23 to 46, the Sadducee comes to Jesus with a question about the restoration of the dead. They have a question about the resurrection of the dead, and you need to hear what Jesus has to say. Because just as the Apostle Paul explained to the church that those that have sleep in Christ are going to resurrect again, so Jesus explains the resurrection, and he gives it a, a, a 3D view, I say, an excellent view from God's view that we need to see. 
Matthew 22, 23. On that day, the Sadducees who say, who say there is no resurrection of the dead. Remember that these people don't believe in the resurrection. So by seeing it the way they are asking the Lord about the resurrection, it's going to help us understand about the resurrection, the plan of God with those who sleep in Christ. Okay? Who say there's no resurrection, come to him and ask him a question, saying, Teacher, Moses said, if a man die leave, leaving no children, his brother has his next uh, kin shall marry his widow and raise children from his brother. Now, there were seven brothers among us, the first married and died, having no children to his wife brother, then the second also childless, the third down to the seven. Last of all, last of all, the woman died. So in the resurrection, whose wife of the seven will she be? Okay? For they all have married her. This is a good question. And they're asking the right one. They're asking the Lord to explain to them that all seven brothers have married this woman, had no children with her, and then she passed away. And the question is, in the resurrection, who is going to be the husband? Is it the first? Is it the second? Is it the third? Is it the fourth? The fifth? The sixth? The seventh? We shall live. My brother and sister. Hallelujah. Praise your Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Shalom, sister. Amen. So, but Jesus replied to them, you are all wrong. Because you need to know the scripture which teaches the resurrection, know the power of God. And in knowing the power of God, besides the word of God, is also a problem at the last days. Because you can read the Bible. But if you ignore that the saying that gives the Bible has the power to do everything. When you study the word, when you listen to the word, when you hear the word, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Eventually in the Lord, the word will empower you to be mighty in the Lord. Why do you need to come and listen? Because you are storing in you the word of God alive for the necessary time. A child of seven, since she was four, her mother brought her to Bible study. Now she was seven. And her mother had fallen sick at home with no way to, <clears throat> to call a doctor. She was the only sole provider of the family. They had cut down her power, her telephone service. It was very difficult. Her daughter was seven. She could not go out and work and provide. Her mother was sick in bed. My brother insisted. So, Hallelujah. For several months he's in bed. And what this child remembered was that when she was in Bible class, her mother was practically dead now in bed. And she remembered, this child remembered, but since she was four, she'd been going about for three years in, to Bible class. 
And she remembered the teacher saying that you will lay hand on the sick in the name of the Lord. And you will lay hand and pray over them. And the Bible says they shall recover. But it was three years of her being fed the Bible in Bible class that filled this young lady life my brother and sister, to take authority, lay hand on her mother, who was almost dead, and claim what the Word of God says, healing for her mother. And at that very moment, as she prayed and cried over her mom's body, her mom's body began to recover. As she prayed in the name of the Lord, that by the stripe of Jesus, she will be healed. And the mother body recovered, and it was healed from that very hour. But it was at the moment when she saw that there was no way her mom could live anymore. It came to her mind all those years sitting in Bible class, listening, listening, playing but listening and receiving the word. And that's what you're doing here. You're listening, you're receiving, you're stocking up. For the time where you don't know what you'll be going through. You don't know what you're going to be going through this year and the next year and the year to come. As we're still here. My brother insisted. But you will have enough in you by listening, by receiving the word, receiving the testimony, receiving the revelation of the Lord from heaven that it will help you to store. You're storing up for that day when you will need it the most or someone else in your family will need it the most. You are storing up. And that's what you do. That's what the ants do in the book of Proverbs. Store for the winter. Store for the worst time. Shalom, Sister Inovero. That's what, we, that's what we do in the Lord. My brother and sisters. The years that I went to church and listened every week and sat there, in the beginning, I was just receiving. Hallelujah. But I, 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 as, I, as I store that first year, I say I got to practice what, I, what I'm hearing. That this is a life that if I pray over people in the name of the Lord, the Lord is going to heal people. The Lord is going to save people. The Lord is going to do the impossible possible. So I went out to try it out, my brother and sister. In the beginning, I was so nervous to speak, but the Lord was with me. And the Lord honored the prayer, lay hand on the sick, led people to Christ to the word. Thank you, Jesus. You're, store, you're storing now. When the disciples worked with Jesus for three and a half years, they were learning. They were storing. You notice that when the man brought the child that would throw the, the, the demon, would throw the child in the fire, he brought his child to be set free from that demon. They could not cast out the demon. Why? Because they were not ready yet. It was their beginning walking with the Lord. They had not stored in them what they needed to lay hand on the sick, to minister <clears throat> to lead other people to Christ. But you must take it serious. Can't play around. You have to listen. You have to store. And God is preparing your life for something greater. Thank you, Lord. 
Then you hear that the meek will inherit the earth. God is preparing you for inherit to for you to inherit everything. And when if you go to the millennium, you are going to walk out everything you learn here. The Lord has taken me here to the millennium and had me walk out there what I had learned here, my brothers and sisters. I have I gone and spoken to people and given them the word, shared the word with them. Hallelujah. The word is alive. And the word is not submitted or limited by time. God created time. Time is a tool in the hand of God, in the hand of the Lord, my brother and my sisters. So listen and listen well. Listen to what the Lord has to say. Because the Lord is changing us, transforming us, bringing us higher, closer to him. I heard the other nine. Now that you've been able to accomplish this, you're moving to the next level. God will bring you to the next level. Hallelujah. When you accomplish a certain level, when you submit, when you listen, when he prepares you to, he brings you up to the next level in him. Thank you, Lord. That's what we need. Thank you, Jesus. And the Lord, he's preparing us. He is preparing us. Hallelujah, day by day. So which, which they asked Jesus and the resurrection, well, Jesus answered back, hallelujah. You are all wrong, but you know neither the scripture that which teach the resurrection nor, nor the power of God, for he is able to raise the dead. And what God is able to do, hallelujah, is what people ignore in the last days. He is able to raise people from the dead. And last night, this morning, he was showing me. He took me there. And I was sharing a meaning what I saw. Hallelujah, what I heard, what they said to me. Verse 30. For in the resurrection, neither do, do men marry, nor women give in marriage. But they are like angels in heaven who do not marry nor produce children. Thank you, Lord. The resurrection of the dead time is coming. It closes. It's not far off. It's near, as I saw it, in the spirit. It's near. I, I felt it in the spirit. I've been taking there a few times now, and I tell you, it's near. It's a time like heaven on earth. It's a time where, where God is bringing back those that, that, that have died in the Lord. And I got a surprise this morning when I was taken there. God always has a surprise for us. Where until you go to heaven? He will have a surprise for you. Right when you think he's done with you, you've seen it all, then he shows you something new. Praise your Lord. The time is coming. The time is approaching quickly. Verse 31, but as to the resurrection of the dead, have you not read the scripture, what God said to you? I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living in other words, they're not dead in Christ, as we say in the word, as the words, as we pronounce the word, or as many believe, they are alive in Christ. Lazarus was not dead, he was asleep. So you can understand better. So these, these people are asleep in Christ, alive. The word sleep is because we, the body is resting. But they're, they're, they're awake in heaven or in paradise. My brother insisted. And I tell you, 
they, they are enjoying life. This morning, when I was taken to the restoration of the dead, I began to see people I knew in the ministry that had passed on with the Lord, like my brother Melton. And he comes back, and they all started coming back, and I began to recognize them. And I said, well, when are you supposed to be in heaven? You went on to being with the Lord. He said, Elvie, you forget what the word says, that we're supposed to resurrect again. And I'm like, yeah, but I didn't know you guys was coming back. It's like, like, why not us? <laughs> Amen. Thank you, Lord. And like, I kept asking questions, and they looked at me and said, you know what we're here for, right? Now, like, the revival is that they were here for. They're back to, the, to work on the revival, to, to evangelize. We're here to evangelize people. And I'm like, oh, okay. Awesome. I didn't know. So many people were coming back to evangelize, even people I knew. I didn't know that for that very purpose they went home early or God brought them home early, but God was going to use them again. And to me, that was, thank you, Lord. I did remember Brother Larry one time said that he will leave, but he will come back again. Back then, I, I wasn't sure what he meant when he said this. Okay, but these people were returning back. And they, they came back on fire to evangelize again, to bring soul to the kingdom. Praise your Lord. They're looking at me, are you ready? And I'm looking at them inside, like, wow, this is going to be good. This is what it is. This is really what it's about. They were ready to do that last soul winning. Because there's so many people in the world that need the Lord, need Jesus. And the revival is the last chance they get before the seven-year great tribulation again. Shout out to the Lord's servant. So it's a great thing that they're coming back. These people are on fire. They went, saw before we went home. They went home now. The, the Lord's bringing them back in their glorified body. And they're on fire to come back and evangelize. And I was meeting with them. And they were ministering with great power, great mind of God. My brother and sister. Like nothing we've ever seen before. You heard that, that that God would do something new on the earth that the prophet said of old, like we never seen before. I saw power of God on these men and women coming back in the Lord, being used of God with a great mighty power we never seen before on this earth. Because they're coming from heaven so pure, so holy, so righteous in the mighty power of God, that I believe it's easier for them, maybe not so much for us, but easier for them, although there's no excuse in the Lord, to come back being in the mighty power of God in heaven and move in the mighty power of God on the earth to evangelize people, to go around the earth. And what I see in all this and understand is there will still be so many people that need to be led to the Lord. The revival is so short, it's so short in time, that the Lord will use so many of his people to go ahead and reach out to, to the last, of the last. Because as Father said, time that he's given us is the last time he's not giving anymore. The Lord knows this very well. 
So I believe God is allowing the Lord to use to whosoever he needs to get the job done. Get it done. This is it. This is it. Because right after that revival, the resurrection and then the revival, and that will be it. The great tribulation begins. My brother and sister, as Jesus said, like it never been before, like it will never be again. It will be such a time. This is what the abomination of desolation that spoke Daniel the prophet, where Paul said that the men of sin was set in the temple of God as God, Obama, the Antichrist. My brother and sister, I was listening online about the building Obama is making in Washington, D.C. Supposed to be a library. Someone called it a temple of Obama. The temple of Obama. He will have an idol of himself there made of stone. But this one will be special for people to go and see. I don't know how special it's going to be. The ground was considered sacred. The ground was considered sacred. When he, when he looked into purchasing the ground, they said, no, we'll give it to you. It is the first time in the history of this nation that such a land has been given to someone and such a person has been able to do such a thing, according to what I heard them saying online. If, if people will not know now by the building they're making that that building is for the Antichrist, I don't know. Everything there, Obama wants it animated. Animated. When I heard about this, that everything in that building must be animated, the only thing that, that comes to my mind of him wanting everything animated, my brother and sister, hallelujah. It was it was the, the 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 idol that talks about in the book of Revelation, the statue that 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 will speak. My brother and sister. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise your God. And that here in Revelation thirteen, about that be, that idol that that statue that would be able to to open her mouth and speak. My brother and sister, if he wants all that in that building, which is what he requested, and the company, the company that is working on the project, have been already completely paid off. The building will cost a little over five hundred million dollars, and all the money had already been previously donated. My brother and sister, but everything in there will be animated. Hallelujah! This is that was the part. Okay, he says, he doth great wonder, Revelation 13, 13, so that he make a fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. He decided that do on the earth by the means of the miracle that he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying then to them that dwell on the earth, they will make an image to the beast. They will make an image to the beast, which he have worn, uh, wounded, and, and, and sword, and live. Okay. But the image, the image is the part here, okay? And he has power to give life into the image of the beast. And the image of the beast will speak, cause to be killed, many that will not worship the image of the beast. So this image that's going to be made for that building in Washington, D.C., they want it to be alive, okay, to have movement. But according to Revelation, 
It's really an image because these are idols. That's what they are, images. But this one that they're going to be make, and many, many uh, scream on, on the wall, like light monitor. He wants everything alive in there. And since he requested it to be that way, and they, they reported this online, and I heard about this, to me, if people hear all this and see what they're doing over there, which right now is practically being kept secret, okay, it really makes sense right there that that will show he's the Antichrist. If people don't want to see for what he's making, it first said it was a library of information of him, but the library is a temple. It's the word. It's a temple. Someone said today, and I heard this online, and I'm like, wow. So it's not a library. I said they identified it that it would be. They first said it was a library years ago that he wanted there, and now it's a temple of himself for people to come and see him. But the, him is an image he's putting in there for people to come and see. And all this aligned with Revelation 13, 15, 14, 13, about the image of the beast. Why is it so important for him to have this building in Washington that will have an image of him for people and children to come and see and for the ground to be called sacred? All that, if people don't see the, the beast and all this, the image of the beast in this, and the beast, I don't know. They're, the, they're not understanding the writing on the raw, on the wall. What is, what is it that they need, Daniel? Because God has raised people like Daniel in the last days, a few to explain these things. And if, if people did not listen to Daniel back then, which I believe not many people did, because if people will listen to Daniel in his timing when he was in Babylon, they would have now bowed down to the image of, of, of King Nebuchadnezzar, which it was another image representing the Antichrist. The devil himself. And the reason why could, could the children of Israel not worship that image was because they were going to become blind spiritually. And when Messiah will come among them, they will not see him anymore. The Lord himself told this to them back in, in the book of Judges that I have read to you. That if they, was, if they, would, if they would follow after the God of the land, which they were coming into, they will become slaves to them. Why are people becoming slaves to the Antichrist in the Great Tribulation? Because everything the Antichrist is offering now, you need to reject it. This is the time where you commit to God. This is the time where God has a few Daniel, Meshach, and Abednego telling you, do not worship the beast. Do not worship his image. Do not. And if you don't listen, like many didn't, and when, when the instrument of music were, 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 were sounded, they went and worshipped the image. And so when they went back to the promised land, as God promised, because God fulfilled his promise, my brother insisted when Messiah came among them, they didn't know who he was. He came to his own, the Bible says, but his own receiving not. And so when Jesus come back in his second coming, 
If people have worshipped the beast and going into the great tribulation, worship his image, they're going to be so blind that when Jesus comes at the end of the seven years, instead of receiving the Lord, they're going to fight against him, and the Lord will destroy them. My brother and sister, this is the risk that many people are riding upon. They're riding on a risk that they don't understand the end. The only way you're going to understand the end of all this is by studying what the children of Israel went through. When Jeremiah the prophet was sent to them by God and warned them of their behavior of idolatry. What Obama's making in Washington, D.C., supposedly a library, which is a temple of his worship, a temple of his worship, he first said it was a library. Many are going to go there, and they will worship him. And they're going to be so blind. They're going to become so blind. For sure you will have CNN, CNBC, ABC go there and make report about what, when that building is finished and put it on television. And those reports will make people worship the beast and receive the image of the beast, the, 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 the image that is alive. My brother insisted. Okay, he had power to give unto the life of the image. The question is, why power? Because a lot of people have this in mind. Okay, he requested that the, that the image that be animated. Power, the Bible says, to the beast. And the image of the beast will speak and cause many, as many that will worship the image of the beast. Is that AI? Well, it's not called AI anymore. It's general AI. It's what it's called. It will have in that building the power to speak. But what God said that it will end up doing is have the power to kill people. Marvel insisted. And all this has already been made for that building. It's already, it's ready to be put in that building. Marvel insisted. And you will see them reported on, on, on television, CNN and them telling you how great it is. This never been made before. This you gotta listen to it. You really gotta do what it says. You know, no. No, my brother and sister. We need we need we need to preach it now. We need to tell people like Daniel. Tell them how it is now. And let them make their own decision, but not say they never heard it from anyone. My brother and sister. It is so terrible what is unfolding now. That like the children of Israel and Babylon were blinded when when they banded their knees and worshipped the beast. But if Daniel will come out with them out of the promised land, out of, out of Egypt into the promised land, I'm sorry, he would have told them that standing before you is the Messiah. That standing before you is God, the Son of God, Almighty. Any of those that did not worship the image would have known who Jesus is. Their eyes would have been open to identify Jesus. But it was now for the children of Israel, my brother and sister. How come John, when he saw Jesus coming, he said, here's the land of God that taketh the sin of the world. He immediately, immediately was able to identify Jesus. He called on the Lamb of God that take the sin of the world. Nobody else there. Absolutely nobody. The disciples that were following John were, were waiting upon John to tell them 
okay? Because he was waiting for one whose, whose sandal he was not worthy to untie, he says. So they were waiting for John the Baptist to tell them who was the Messiah. Because there were many people coming to them to be baptized by John in the River Jordan. But they were waiting upon John who had his eye open from God to tell them who he was. And when Jesus was coming, what did he say? That he was the Lamb of God who takes the sin of the world. He identified him immediately. How come nobody else was able to identify him? Maple insisted. Ask yourself that question. John right there was like Daniel, like Jeremiah. They could identify Jesus. My brother and sister, but not the rest of the people who worship the idol. And the Lord warned them. He warned them that this would happen to them. And now we're coming back to the same time again, where if people don't get right with God, don't be on daily repenting, seeking the Lord, where all these things that are being put in place by the government to blind their eyes as the Antichrist behind all this. And right now the Antichrist is setting his government upon the earth. And he's putting in general, general AI everywhere. They're doing away with AI, and it's general AI, my brother and sister, more intelligent than human, they say. Four times supposedly smarter than human are these general AI. And they're already saying that in the next car coming in the few years to come, general AI will be in every car in there that, that will drive themselves. No need of any human. And companies themselves will forbid their employer to drive their vehicle. They want the general AI to do so because they'll be four times smarter than human. They already made it this way. That's the way they want it. That's the way it's going to be, according to the major company. Maple insisted. We're living in the year of the beast. Maple insisted. It is a difficult time, but that's the way it is. What is also part of the plan? Revelation thirteen sixteen. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark on the right hand and on the forehead. My brother and sister. He's going to obligate people. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Praise you, God. Yes, John was told that when he see the dove descending upon him, he knew that who he was. Hallelujah. He had a sign, but nobody else did. My brother insisted. And they should have known the Lord through the prophet Isaiah, Psalms, and the rest of the Bible. Now, how come John the Baptist was the only one to identify him? And that's part of it. The blindness that we're talking about, that the enemy wants to bring upon humanity again, total blindness of Jesus. Total blindness of God, his Lord, our Savior. My brother and sister, going into a seven-year great tribulation when all these demons and beasts will release from the bottom pit of the earth and will, keep, and will cause death upon humanity. Every day they will be killing human beings. My brother and sister, it's not, it's not time to fall asleep now. She causes all boys great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark on the right hand on the forehead. It doesn't matter who. They want everyone to fall. And that's where everything is heading with, with the general AI. So that no man might buy or sell, save he that have the mark in the name of the beast and the number of his name. He has wisdom. They hear that have understanding. Count the number of the beast, for it is the number of men. It's number 603, core 6. 
But what was given to Daniel, my brother and sister, according to, the, according to Daniel, according to the word of God, Daniel did not have understanding. He did not have it, but it was given to him. Thank you, Lord. And that's what it is. If you don't understand, you need to pray for understanding from the Lord. You need to ask the Lord to give you understanding. Because a lot of people say, well, I'm not going to read it. I'm not going to be doing this. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord, because I don't understand. Some people say, but seek understanding from the Lord. Hallelujah. Seek understanding from the Lord. The Lord will give you. Daniel fights you so much, the excellent spirit of knowledge and understanding, interpreting dreams, interpreting uh, hard sentence, and the sovereign Tao uh, were found in the same Daniel whom the king uh, named Balsasar. Now let Daniel be called and show the interpretation. Everyone in Babylon knew that Daniel had understanding. Daniel had understanding. He was able to understand this deep mystery that they could, that they that the rest of the people did not understand. And then five, uh, 14, I have heard even thee, thy spirit of God in thee, that the light of understanding, excellent wisdom of following thee. You see, Daniel had it. Daniel had understanding. And then, um, thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, God. So, Daniel... Uh, ten, uh, ten one on the third year, Cyrus the king of Persia, the thing was revealed unto Daniel, whose name was Covetousa. The thing was true. The appointed time was long. He he understood the thing. He had understanding and vision. Understanding and vision. Daniel can understand, and Daniel can also see. And so that's what we're doing, as we're listening, we're storing knowledge. And the Lord, the truth of knowledge, gives us understanding and vision to understand the things to come, my brothers and sisters, that, I'll be, that will be unfolding in the days to come. As I was taking this morning into the days coming, the resurrection of the dead, I knew that this was the resurrection of the dead, but I didn't know that these different people will be resurrected, my brothers and sisters. Matthew 22, 31, concerning the resurrection of the dead, ye have not read that which was spoken to you by God, saying, and then he says to God of Abraham, okay, I read this one. I want to read the one where, where Matthew 28, that and, and after the Sabbath near the dawn of the first day, the week, Mary, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look to the tomb, and the great earthquake occurred, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven, and came and rolled away the stone from up to open in the tomb and instead upon him, the angel appears like lightning, his clothes as a white as snow. The guards shook, paralyzed with fear, as the side him became like a dead man, pale and unmovable. But the angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, just as he said that he would. Come and see the place where he was laying. So they go quickly to tell the disciples that he had risen from the dead. Behold, he is going ahead of you into Galilee, as he promised. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So the woman left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy, ran to tell the good news. 
Why am I reading the resurrection of, the Jesus, of Jesus compared to the resurrection of the dead? Because Jesus said he is the first from the dead, my brother and sister. And so if he was resurrected, so will anyone who has slept in Christ, will be, who has slept in Christ will be resurrected. That is the mighty promise of God to us, my brother and sister. Thank you, Lord. So we're looking forward to the promise in the days to come. So as they went, suddenly Jesus met them, saying, Rejoice. And they went to him and took a hold of his feet. And worshiping as the Messiah, Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brother to leave for Galilee, that there they will see me just as I promised. Amen. Notice that they follow and obey his order after the resurrection, identifying and saying to us he was, he was the same as the one that was crucified. As the one that is now risen, it is the same Christ, my brother and sister. And this is the confidence that God wants us to have in him. That if Jesus, who preached, who was crucified and was raised on the third day, so will be, he was alive. So the same we are alive in Christ. And death or anything cannot stop us, cannot limit us in Christ. If we have faith in Christ, my brother and sister. So we got to keep our faith alive in him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Yeshua. Hallelujah. So when Jesus, hallelujah, in John 11, hallelujah, let me go to John 11. In the resurrection of Lazarus, hallelujah, when Martha and Mary sent word to listen to Jesus that, that Lazarus was sick, it was a sickness that was going to kill him, but it was, it, it was the, death, the, the sickness, although it can kill his body, it could not kill his spirit. And that's what you need to understand. Sickness can kill us. Virus can kill us, our body, but not our spirit. And since the Lord is in control of everything, the Lord can bring our body back alive if necessary. My brother and sister. Thank you, Lord. Amen. So, therefore, his sister sent to him, saying, Behold, he, he whom thou lovest sick. Then Jesus said, The sickness is not unto death, but of the glory of God. So the Son of God may be glorified. God, Jesus got glorified to what Lester went through. And the same can happen in our own life. The Lord can get the glory for what we go through. And we can learn, be changed, and mature, and made powerful in the Lord. That's why they, when they asked Jesus, who of the seven brothers will marry the wife? He says, that's because you don't know the power of God. It's not about them getting married in the next life and having children. It's that God has the power to resurrect them, the woman and all seven back again, and they won't be married anymore. But in God, they will be alive. And they will be moving in the power of God. That's what I saw this morning. People that I know that have slept in the Lord years ago, that went to being with the Lord, now are coming back for the revival. And I was speaking with them. And they reminded me of the word. Elvi, what's that the word says? And I'm standing there. And another word, like Jesus said the word to his disciple about him, being crucified and resurrecting on the third day, they completely forgot about it. 
They completely forgot about it. They have to be reminded that the Christ said he will be crucified, but on the third day he will rise again. We can never forget what the Lord has promised us and says, my brother and sister. Okay? The word that was given to John of the door coming upon him, who will be the Messiah, the anointed one. And when John sighed, he remembered that what God has said to him, my brother and sister. Sometimes we get caught up in line, we forget things. But God wants us to remember. It's important for us to have the understanding and the remembering of these things, my brother and sister, so we don't lose hope. That's what the apostle said to the Thessalonians when he began to speak to them about the resurrection of the dead, that I will not have you be ignorant for those that have slept in Christ. Hallelujah. As those, that, as those that will lose hope. No, don't lose hope. If you remember what the Lord has said, you stay focused on what he has said, you look forward to his promise, and when they come to pass, you worship him. You give him the glory. Thank you, Lord. The disciples went and all locked themselves in the house, thinking it was all it was all for nothing, as people say. All this for nothing, some people say. All this going here, going there, giving testimony for nothing. Our Lord was killed. That's all they can think about. Until Mary Mary Magdalene and the other Mary come and tell them that the Lord had resurrected. That immediately brought all the word that Jesus had spoken of life in them. Whoa, wait a minute. He said he will be crucified and resurrected on the third day again. And then when the Lord appeared among them to confirm the word, he appeared among them to confirm the word, appeared in the presence of 500 people to confirm his word. Thank you, Jesus. Man, if it wasn't for the Lord, my brother and sisters, I don't know where we would be. He has to help us, my brother and sister. He has to help us every day, practically, because now we, we, we will be in so much trouble without the Lord. And that's what usually happens. God help us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So they keep telling the Lord that Lazarus is dead. Hallelujah. And then the Lord finally... Hallelujah. It says, he says to his disciple, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, that by day that he, by the truth that he has spoken, taking rest and sleep. Jesus said unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Hallelujah. In order for them to see the miracle and understand the miracle, he openly, after telling them he was asleep, he is dead. I imagine people saying, why are you being so negative now? You first told us several times that he was asleep. And now we ask you, it's like, are you getting tired of us? Why, why are you being so negative? You just told us he was dead. And before you kept saying he was asleep. And the thing is that they were not understanding the Lord when he was saying, Lazarus is asleep. Lazarus is asleep. And he was repeating himself. He's asleep. Until finally the Lord says, he is dead. He is dead. You know, in this generation we say, you're contradicting yourself, Lord. First you kept telling him he was asleep. Now you say that he's dead. That made no sense to us. See? It made no sense when you're not walking in the spirit. Made no sense when you're walking in the desire of the flesh. My brother insisted. 
And then he says in verse 15, I am glad for your sake that I was not there. So the intent that you may believe, nevertheless, let's go unto him. Oh, what is he trying to say now? That I, I felt insulted by that, some people were saying this generation. That is insulting. I am glad for you that I was not there. You know, some people take it wrong. And if you're not walking in the spirit, you will, my brother and sister. And it's not an insult. It's a direction of God. God will direct you and I when we humble ourselves. But if we remain in the flesh, when we hear the word direction, we get insulted. That God really loved me, some people say. And they question the will of God. But God is not meant to, to, to uh, hurt you in any way. He meant to, to guide you the right way where you're not used to going. He will guide you to his way. Verse 16, Thomas, who was called Didymus, said unto his fellow disciple, let's go that, that we may die with him. Now, some people say he, 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 he mocking him. Sounds like he's mocking him. He's repeating the same thing the Lord has said. Notice how patient and loving the Lord is. That all that Thomas says this, Thomas has a problem with faith. Thomas has a problem with faith. Faith doesn't have a problem with Thomas. Thomas has a problem with faith. Thomas is struggling with pride, doubt, and unbelief. But mostly, my brother and sister, with faith. He's having a hard time receiving what the Lord is saying. And to be in there as a disciple, I don't want to be there because sometimes you can be there. The flesh can take over the spirit. And whatever the Lord is saying, you will not understand. You'll feel insulted. And you don't want to mock God either. Bible said God will not be mocked. Everything men saw, he will reap. My brother and sister. So Thomas is repeating what the Lord is saying. And that today, that's an insult. But the Lord is being loving. Verse 17. So then when Jesus came, he found that he had laid in the grave for four days. Hallelujah. The narrator here is John. John is telling the, everyone here that it was too late when the Lord came. It was too late for humanity. In the sense they had no power to resurrect the, the dead. But not for the Lord. God made time. Four days could have been a thousand days. To the Lord means nothing. He created time. It's a tool of him. Verse 18. So now the tenth Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about two miles away. Many other Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning the brothers. Hallelujah. Martha, as soon as they heard that Jesus was coming, went to meet with him, but Mary still in the house. Hallelujah. Every time you're ready to meet God, something great is going to happen for you. The only time you're not willing to meet him, it's the time when you miss your blessing. The children of Israel, God called Moses and tell Moses to prepare the people to meet him on the feet of the mountain. When God comes up on the mountain, the mountain tremble, the mountain tremble with the presence of God. The children of Israel were afraid. And they said, Moses, you speak for us. When they were not willing to meet God, 
they meet their blesser. They miss their blessing from the Lord. Every time you fail to meet God in prayer and fasting and committing every day your life with him, you miss your blessing. You miss your blessing that you wish to have. Some people want the Lord to give them this, to give them that. But when the Lord asks them for commitment and prayer and fasting and with him, they fail to do so, and they miss the blessing. Last month, the Lord was talking to me about a certain blessing that the enemy has stolen, even for my life. And missing to commit with the Lord a certain level of prayer that the Lord would ask you and I. The devil can take advantage of a certain lack of prayer, lack of commitment, lack of fasting, and steal our blessing, my brothers and sisters. And the Lord showed me that the devil has stolen many people's blessing for the lack of committing to the Lord, the lack of fasting, the lack of prayer, the lack of walking with the Lord, my brother and sister. And of course the devil wants them to blame the Lord, blame God. They would have the house they always wanted. The Lord would have given to them years ago the house they wanted, the home, the, the, the car, the job, the things that they, they really wanted to have years ago, they would already have it. If they would have committed to the Lord in prayer and fasting and sanctification, my brother and sister, but because they chose not to do so, they lost it. Show me that. Like, wow. Wow. Verse 21. Martha said unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother will not die. Thank you, Lord. I want you to notice something here with Martha. Although it sounds like a complaint. Sounds like a complaint, right? But every time you go to God and you tell God about your situation and you pray to God about your situation, God will, be, will help you. He will help you. He will be on your behalf. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. God will be there for you, and he will help you. The Lord will help you. If you come to him with whatever you're going through, and you will specifically commit yourself to him in prayer and fasting, sanctification, the Lord is going to help you. Hear the answer of Jesus to Martha now. This sounds like a complaint, but Martha is coming to Jesus. That's what God wants you to do when you have a problem. Come to Jesus. Thank you, Lord. But now I know even that whatsoever that would ask God, he will give thee. Sounds like this is a normal conversation with Martha and the Lord. But let me tell you what this is. This is a confidence of prayer. This is a confidence of faith in God. That you know that Jesus is the Son of God. That Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God. And that whatever Jesus asks the Father, in your behalf, God will grant it. Martha has that faith. Martha had this faith in the Lord. My brother insisted. And the Lord will not ignore this type of faith. This is the type of faith in the Lord that if you have it like Martha, you will see God answer you. Thank you, Lord. But I know. You see, 
It's not, oh, my brother Elvin, no. Oh, no, pastor so-and-so, no. Pastor wife, no. That's not what Martha's saying here. All the rabbis, no. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. My brother, no. My sister, no. neither. This is a personal relationship between you and I, and the, between you and the Lord. Between us and the Lord. It's a personal relationship. And in the day you know as a believer of Christ, that whatsoever we would ask of God, God will give us. My brother, or God will grant it to Jesus. Listen. Jesus said unto her, okay, sounds like a normal conversation, but this goes beyond that a normal conversation. This goes beyond. You got to see it for what it is. Got to see it for what it is. First of all, Martha said that she knew that whatever Jesus asked God, God will give it unto him. Okay? What did Jesus have to say to this type of faith of Martha? Jesus said unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. You know what this is? A prayer being answered in the Lord. Every time you come to the Lord with faith, and you ask the Lord to do something by faith, okay, by faith, the Lord will grant it to you. And the Lord will say, it is granted unto you. He says to Martha, Jesus said to her, Shalom, Brother Michael, thy brother shall live. What is he doing? He's answering her prayer petition that she asked in the beginning. Because she came to Jesus. She came to Jesus. When Martha heard about Jesus, she ran to him. She stopped doing whatever she was doing, and she went to Jesus. That's what it takes every day for you and I to stop an hour or two of our life every day and come to Jesus. That's what Father wants us to do. Stop whatever. Our life is busy. A day is 24 hours. Our day can be very busy. But God is asking us to stop an hour or two every day and come to Jesus and even more, even more, and come to Jesus. And ask Jesus whatever it is we need or whatever it is that is going on that is so urgent in our life that need to be taken care of, my brother and sister. So again, verse 24, Martha said unto him, okay, I want you to see how Martha is speaking in her relationship with Christ, okay? Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again at the resurrection in the last days. First of all, we are in the last days. The resurrection of the dead is surely to come to pass. And Martha knew this prophetically. Martha, as a believer in Christ, knew this prophetically. Who, who was teaching about the resurrection of the dead in those days? Not many people. Rabbi was not teaching about it. So where did Martha get her intelligence, her revelation from the Lord? From the Lord. Because I believe not even John was talking about the resurrection of the dead. I never heard him saying anything. So where did she get her information? From the Lord. She was telling the Lord about the restoration of the dead in the last. She's being specific. Last days. Restoration of the dead. Last, that's a revelation. That's come from God. That's, that's, that's a relationship with the Lord as a believer. Okay? 
I know that he should rise at the restoration. And she's right. She's 100% right. According to the worst Lord, Revelation, my brothers and sisters, in a time when no one was talking about, about this, she knew. She knew. Verse 25. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believed in me, though he was dead, yet he shall live. Okay? First of all, he's saying, it is for the last days. You know, he didn't say you're wrong. He, it's an acknowledgement and not rebuking her. Okay? He said unto her, I am the resurrection. He is pointing to himself as the source of the power to resurrect people from the dead. He is the source. He is the one that God has appointed to be the judge of the living and the dead. He is the one that God's going to use to resurrect the, the dead in the last days. But him that is a first, him that was there, him that is the last is the same, Jesus. And he has the power, as he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet he should live. Exactly. This is the point. That as long as you come to Jesus, as long as you come to the Lord, you will be taken care of by him. He will take care of you. He will resurrect whatever is dead in your life. And he will resurrect any family member in your life also that you're praying for. They might be dead in sin in the world. But if you're praying to the Lord, the Lord is the restoration of the, in the, of the dead. In the life, he can bring them back again and give them life. Resurrect them and give them life. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. He is the one. Verse 26, whosoever liveth and believeth in me, he shall never die. Believe this, thou this. Believe you this. Whoa, to Martha, this is a, this is a blessing here. She's receiving this from the Lord himself, and he is being very specific that whosoever believes in him shall never die, that he's the one that gives it eternal life. Because if you never alive, that is eternal life. He is the one that gives it eternal life. And he will give it to Lazarus. He will give it to her, her sister. Whosoever will come to him, he will give it to. And he will give it to us. Whosoever wants to come to him, he will give it to us. My brother and sister, they come from him. He is the giver. And all we have to do is believe this. Believe him. Believe the Lord. Believe his promise. And go to the Lord every day in prayer. Fast every week. Commit your life to him. He will take care of you. He will not leave you, nor forsake you, nor neither abandon you. He will be there for you. That's why I was saying in the beginning, as we are here listening we are learning. We are storing the knowledge and information of the Lord, the revelation. Because there are days coming where what will be infected with will be the power of God to rebuke the enemy, to lay hand on the dead and they will come back to life. God will use you. God will, res will restore people's life through you. You will be a powerful instrument in the hand of the Lord if you closely pay attention and take it serious. My brother and sister, it's the Lord. Word. Verse 37. She said unto him, Yea, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yea. I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, who shall come into the world. Look, look what she's saying. This is powerful. This woman relationship with the Lord is powerful. 
she she had this revelation of Jesus, this understanding that she knew he was the Christ. Christ is, I believe, is Emmanuel and the Son of God. My brother said that should come into the world. Thank you, Lord, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. Without being written first by the Apostle Paul, who wrote all these things about Jesus, being the Christ and the Son of God, it was already Mary, in her knowledge of Christ, in her personal relationship with Jesus, she already knew that Jesus was the Son of God, that, she was, that he was Christ. We're talking about 30, 40 years before Paul wrote his letters, his book of the Romans, of Galatians, Corinthians, Hebrew, I mean, all Ephesians, all those books, before he wrote all those books, Martha here had all the information about Jesus. My brother and sister, thank you, Lord. Martha knew all this in her personal relationship with the Lord. You see, before any book was written about all this, she had it, she knew it in her personal relationship. That is amazing. I have met people that that, that have this information with the Lord, revelation of what is going to come and the days to come, what the Lord is going to do, and this and that. Some people even have information on the month, what God's going to do next month, what God's going to do the following month. They have this closeness, closeness relationship with the Lord where they know every month what God said he's going to do, and it come to pass, my brother and sister. But all this is in the personal relationship that they get that revelation from the Lord, and they can share it with people. Thank you, Lord. I knew of a prophet that would say to the people who come to her and say, hey, I'm, I'm going to start a business. You know, can you pray, help me? Can you guide me in this? Can you send me down? Can we talk? And can you help me? I'm going to start a business. What I need to do if next month is a good month to start a business, if it's not, please let me know, and the prophet will pray and will say to the person, next month is not a good month. You need to wait until the following month, and when you start this business, do this and that. Make sure you got your title ready. Go ahead and make it official. Go ahead and uh, fill the documents, submit it to the authority. Get, get, get your permit. Get your license. Your business is going to strive. It's going to become a very powerful company. Boom, boom, boom. And that person will do exactly, and exactly will be successful. And the person will be making the donation to the ministry, supporting the prophet, my brother and sister. Thank you, Lord. And the Lord, the Lord can give us such a guidance in him. You can pray to the Lord to guide you on your business, to, to let you know if the investment you're going to do next week is a good investment or not. Ask the Lord for a dream, a sign, a revelation. Some people have done that and been very successful. Very successful in their business. They pray for business idea on their own business. They pray that the Lord will give them another idea and which will help them make their business prosper and bring more income into their family, into their business, for them and for their employees. And if, Lord, if you, if you triple, quadruple my income, Lord, I will hire another poor family, Lord, and I will support them. I will pay them, I will pay them fair wages, Lord. I will bless them. I will give them bonuses, Lord. And if you if you start approaching God, and whether you want to help family, help people with your business, 
and you pray to the Lord to give you the, the idea, revelation of the idea, the understanding, the wisdom to, to, to do it right, legal, 100% always, and to help family, help support family, you will find a wealth of information from the Lord and a well of prosperity from the Lord every time you approach the Lord to help someone else. Because Jesus said, it is better to give than to receive. And the problem with people is, is they, want it, they want God to take care of them. And if there's any, anything left over, they can probably help someone else. Throw a penny or a quarter to someone else. And when they approach God this way, they're finding out that everything is not going the way they want it. But when they approach God the other way and say, God, whatever you supply me, I'm going to help my fellow, my fellow, my neighbors. I'm going to love my neighbor as I love myself, as you said. And I'm going to help them, my brothers and sisters. I'm going to help them with a job. I'm going to help them with their income. I pay fair wages. I'm going to pay them bonuses, Lord. I'm going to be there for them, Lord with your provision. And every time you ask God to help someone else, you will find a flaw from God. But every time you're thinking about helping yourself first, you're going to find that the water is not flowing your way. The flaw is on the right helping your neighbor. The no flow is on the left. That's what the water is. You, you want to learn the people who find this out years ago, like Bill Gay. He find out that Microsoft was weaker when they just focused on making a lot of money unto themselves and not really helping their employees. But after the rabbi set Bill Gates down and said, look, this is the way you need to do business back in the 90s. And Bill Gates listened to the rabbi who was working with him in California. After that, and I know this because I, I heard a rabbi who came to us to the north from California and gave us this information. That's how I know. And the rabbi who set down Bill Gates were his friends and told them what they did in one of the meetings. Passed the information to him. He passed the information to us. It was like a straightforward information. And the rabbi set Bill Gates down and told him, this is the way you need to do business. Okay? They told Bill Gates, if you're going to do business on Saturday, don't come with us. Saturday is God's day of rest. Need to be respected. No company in the United States will do business on Saturday. The great prosperity of America years ago was when America's company did not work on Saturday. And the moment companies began to work on Saturday in America, their power immediately began to go down as a powerful country, nation. My brother and my sister. And America since then has been going down, down, down. They thought that by, by every company opening the door on, uh, for the work on Saturday, when Microsoft began, this came from the rabbi also, to open the door on Saturday, my brother and sister, the rabbi began to put, put on the, rest of the resignation, began to put forward the letters of this uh, resignation from Microsoft. And Microsoft were one of those companies that had over 40% of Jewish people working for them since the 80, early time, early time, right from the beginning. Over 40% of Microsoft staff was Jewish people. 
And when they, late 90, began to do business on Saturday, they told Bill Gates that they should not do this. As a founder and CEO of Microsoft back then, and they submitted a letter to him, a resignation. Some of these men were, pay, were being paid hundreds of millions of dollars a year. They began to submit a resignation. If you go back to the stock of Microsoft, to the, from the late 90s until now, that's when their stock began to go down, down, down. They would have, God would have, like God said to David, to the prophet, prophet Nathan, God would have multiplied everything you have if he had not done what he did. Same thing happened with Microsoft. If they had not done what they did, start working on Saturday, Microsoft would have been probably eight, seven times stronger than what they are today. They began to lose when they began to open the door for work on Saturday. My brother insisted. But imagine having thousands of rabbis working for you that can advise you, give you an advice on how to run the company. My brother insisted. And there's a lot of more story. Uh, you got uh, Window NT, working window for the companies. They were all made by Jewish people, my brother and sister. They were the strongest window. People will tell you, going back to Window 3, uh, uh, NT, back 3.0, 2.0, they was the stronger one, 4.0. They had never made another window such a strong and stable like those Rabbi made back in the 80s. My brother insisted. Everything else has been failing them over the years. So it just tells you that God's people with God's knowledge and wisdom, my brother insisted, is the way to go. Any other way will fail because our wisdom comes from the Lord, comes from God. And these rabbis, what they did, they had their Bible there during lunch, reading the Torah all the time, during the break, just reading the Bible. While taking a snack, but eating the Bible all the time and praying, and praying, my brother insisted. That was the blessing of many other companies, who some have disappeared by now, my brother insisted. As they went and turned to the left the other way, and thought that by going the other way, they would make more money and ended up losing everything they had, my brother insisted. And that's kind of what happened with Solomon, the richest man, the most powerful man on the earth, as far as everybody knows. Have more gold than anybody else. And when he turned away from God, he lost 11 tribes. He only remained with one and lost all his riches practically in the end of his days. Hallelujah. And what did he say about his life? Vanity, a vanity. It is all vanity. Because he lost everything. He was so happy when he had it all huh? until he finally ended up turned away from God. And notice that he lost all, my brother and sister. And that, that really was a proverb to say. Okay, verse 38. When she had, had so said, she went her way and called Mary, her sister, secretly, saying, The master had come uh, and called for thee. Notice how they identified Jesus as their master, their, their master. That was not a common word back then, in the time in the time of the Jewish people, to be called someone master. It's identifying someone of God or God Himself. Verse nine. As soon as she heard that, she rose quickly and came to him. 
Notice the quickness of these women of the Lord running to the Lord. That's the quickness that God wants each and one of us to have today. Run to him for anything. Don't wait. Don't wait. Go to the Lord. And we need to be quickly to pray to the Lord. Verse 30, now Jesus had not yet come to, into the town, but was in a place where Martha met him. So the, she, she had to meet them where Martha met him. What does that mean? You have to meet the Lord where I meet him, where David met him, where Solomon met him, where Moses met him, where Abraham met him, in your own personal relationship with him. Is where you will find them. And if you want to change that, it won't work. A lot of people try over the years to change that. Personal relationship the Lord wants. For Martha to, for Mary to me, the Lord, she had to go where Martha was with him. A personal relationship that Martha had. And Mary had to go meet him at, at the same place. My Lord, my God, so much God can teach us. My brother and sister. Hallelujah. And so verse 32, when Mary had come where Jesus was and saw him, notice, he was still in the place. The Lord was still in the place when Martha left him. Mary, he was going to Mary and Martha's home. But in this personal relationship, you got to meet him where he is. Thank you, Lord, personally. Hallelujah. Where all of them have met him, where the apostles have met them, is where you and I need to meet him. Hallelujah. Humble ourselves if you want to be great in his kingdom. Thank you, Lord. So Mary had come when Jesus went and saw him. She fell down at his feet. Humility, humble yourself. You come to the Lord, you humble yourself. Lord, here I am. Not arrogant, but try. Saying unto him, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother who would not die. Thank you, Lord. What is she acknowledging here? This acknowledgement of Mary was the same acknowledgement of Martha. And if, he, if you ignore that you need to acknowledge what God is doing in your life, in order for your faith to grow, if you ignore that you need to acknowledge the Lord in your life, in every area of your life, in order to see the power of God working in your behalf. The more you acknowledge him in your life, the more you'll see the Lord working in your life. Because when you acknowledge him, when you can acknowledge him, is by faith, and only by faith alone. You're going to have to speak things that are not there, in order for them to see to come to pass in your life, my brother and sister. Please do so. Don't let the enemy steal your blessing. There are people that I see wondering whether God's going to do this or that that he said, and that is a wrong attitude. You need to say like Martha and Mary, I know. Listen. Listen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You need to know, Martha says, and Mary said, I know that if you were here, our brother would have not died. What is that? That's an acknowledgement of faith in the Lord. And every time you know that if Jesus comes to you, 
Whatever your situation is, when you call upon him, and you know that he's going to resolve your problem, the Lord is going to do because you're acting by faith. You're walking by faith. You're living by faith. The righteous should walk by faith and not by sight. Understand how it is as a Christian. You have to call things that are not as they are. And expect the Lord to do the impossible possible for you. And say it, pronounce it, and you'll see the Lord bringing it to pass in your life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, the Jew also weeping came with her, groaning in the spirit and in trouble. And he said, where they had laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. And the Jew, behold, now <coughs> he who loved me, love him. And some of the men said, could not this man open the eyes of the blind and cause even this man that he should not die? He is the unbeliever people. You'll find people anywhere in the world with the same attitude of ingratitude toward God. You'll fight. You'll travel around the world right now if you could. You can buy a plane ticket to any country in the world right now. And you will find the same type of people who lack faith toward God. Okay, some of these men say, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind cause even this man that should not die? Questioning whether God can do a thing or not. Not saying that God could do it, but questioning if God could do it or not. This is an attitude of unbelief, doubt, pride, doubt, and unbelief altogether. And these men's life. And these men can go around the world behaving this way. My brother insisting contaminating other people. Be careful with those people. Verse 38. Jesus, therefore, again groaning in himself, came to the, to the grave and was in a cave and stole what lay was upon him. And Jesus said, take away the stone, Martha. Sister of him who was dead said unto him, Lord, by this time there's a stench for he has been there for four days. Jesus knew that Martha did not have the strength by herself to remove the stone. If it took two Roman soldiers to remove one of the stones from the tomb of any person's bed, because this, this stone, I believe, was over 400 pounds, a Martha will not have the strength to remove the stone. Then why did Jesus say to Martha to remove it? My brothers and sisters, thank you, Lord. Why did Jesus then say to Martha, knowing that Martha did not have the strength to remove the stone? Because Jesus knew. He knew. He's God. He knows everything. He knows everything. He told me this himself. I know everything. Don't try to lie to me. I know everything about you. I know all, he says to me at one time when he was calling me in the beginning. Thank you, Lord. And that's what we and I need to know. Jesus knows everything about this life, the life to come in our own life. You can never surprise him. And when he tells you to do something that seems impossible to you, just look at it that he's speaking by faith and not by sight. Because we walk by faith, not by sight, as the Bible says. And whatever was, was a stone to Martha in his life, the Lord was asking Martha to remove it. My brother and sister, 
Were they talking about Lazarus too? Yes. You notice that God will speak to you, and then you say, oh, he meant also this. I had this problem. He was talking to me about this problem that I had. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Why he was talking to me about this other thing. <laughs> oh, I thank you, Lord. Verse 40. Jesus says to her, Say I now unto thee, that if thou will believe, thou shalt see the glory of God. Notice what the Lord is saying to her again, to Martha again. Because Martha now is questioning the Lord. And the Lord has said that the storm be moved. What Martha needed to do right away was turn around and say, hey, you men, go and remove the storm. There was plenty of men there. You men, go and remove the storm. And bow on her knees and say, Lord, I'm sorry that I doubt you. I'm sorry for my unbelief. Jesus, I repent of my pride, my doubt, and my unbelief, Lord. I'm so sorry, Lord, that I doubt your promise, oh, Lord. Help me, Lord, to believe your promise, Jesus. Help me to every day be reminded that you are faithful and that faithful is him that sit upon the throne and that you have made us promise, Lord, that you are going to fulfill because you are a faithful God. Help me, Jesus, with my struggle and my faith, and increase my faith, O oh Lord, in Jesus' name. Some of you need to say this to the Lord. Some of you need to say to the Lord, I'm sorry for doubting you, Lord, and doubting your promise, O oh Jesus. Lord, help me to overcome my pride and unbelief. I'm so sorry, Jesus, for my pride and unbelief. Help me to overcome this, Lord. Without you, you said to your disciples, there's nothing we can do, O oh Lord. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Lord, to overcome this temptation, this difficult time, Lord, of all these things going around of us, happening around us, Lord. I'm so sorry, Jesus. And when you seek him with all your heart, you will find him, the Bible says. Thank you, Lord. Verse 41. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hear me. Hallelujah. Notice how the Lord pray. And if we can get there, if we can get to where the Lord is and say, Father, I think that thou hast hurt me, my brother and sister, oh, it is so powerful that you know that when you go in prayer, God hears you. And that whatever you had asked, he hears you, he's going to answer you. The blessing of knowing that God hears you is that you're going to receive your answer. And if your heart forsake you, John says, greater is God. If your heart rebuke you, greater is the Lord. So when you're praying and you feel in your heart that you're not being honest, repent. Say, Lord, I'm sorry. Seek the peace from the Lord in your heart that when you pray, you know that God hears you. And that you're going to receive from him whatever you're asking him. Please don't walk in pride out in unbelief. Because you can spend a lot of years there and not see much. And then you, the children of Israel spent 40 years there in pride out in unbelief. And even though God was doing miracles in front of their eyes, they could not see them well. Could not enjoy them well. The Bible says that for 40 years, God met them, God fed them with manna from heaven. I was talking with my brother Tony. We were talking about this in our Bible study. 
40 years, the Bible said. 365 days of the year, God fed them with manna. Now, manna is not what you and I think it is. Manna was a special food. It was an angelic food, an angelic bread, as you can say. A rabbi described what manna, what he believed manna is in his own study in Hebrew. He says that manna was a bread that whatever food you love, when before you took a bite of manna, manna tasted like that food. If you love cheese, when you took a bite of manna, it tasted like cheese. If you, if you love steak, whenever you took a bite of the manna, it tasted like steak. Whatever your vital desire, whatever you desire, manna tasted like that. And I was like, wow. It was a breath from heaven, the Bible says. It was what they eat in heaven that is so awesome. They were eating down on the earth. No food in the United States tastes like manna. So pure and so holy and so good for your body. That's what the children of Israel were having every day, seven days a week, for 40 years. The Bible says he fed the manna for 40 years. 40 years are the best food. And if you're eating the best food, if you love to eat caviar, and before you take a, a bite of the manna, it tastes like caviar. Whoa, that tastes so awesome. Some people were saying. Marlin, the best fish, $800 a piece of uh, uh, marlin. A marlin can cost $1 million to $5 million, the entire fish. A brother was telling me from Florida, he had a piece of uh, 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 marlin. It cost him $800, just a, a square piece of marlin with some French fry and coleslaw. Now they're like $1,600 for that same piece. That was 10 years ago. My brother and sister, he was inviting me like, oh, brother, I don't feel like I should eat that, that expensive fish. And, oh, brother, come on, I'm, come to Florida, brother. Oh, I'm like, wow, $800 for a little square fish of, of marlin. The whole fish was a million dollars. Wow, it's incredible. My brother insisted, and that's what manna tastes like. But not only did it taste. It contains other vitamins and nutrients that your body will need. If you ate that, my brother insisted, you ate, you ate the best when you ate manna. Which that's what they eat in heaven. Angels eat in heaven. That's the angelic bread. It's a special food. When we get to heaven, we'll probably will have it. And that's what, when we get to heaven and they present us with that manna, and you think about the best way you love it, you take a bite and like, whoa, whoa, this tastes awesome. They'll look at you and say, that's what the children of Israel have for 40 years. So what is that complain about? What is it to complain when you have the best? When the United States, a more powerful nation, not even people in Congress have that type of food. And then what was their complaint? What was they complaining about when they had the best? You see, my brother and sister, that when we are disobedient, God can give us the best, and we will complain about it. If we don't commit our life to God, if we don't humble ourselves to him, God can give you the best, and you will still complain like the children of Israel. You will still complain. It was given to them. They didn't have to go work 40 hours. And 10 to 15 hour 
over time to, re- to eat manna like some people have to do it here in the United States. They didn't have to work 40 hours a week to eat manna. And they were still complaining. And to God had enough and said, they're not, God swear in his throne, they were not into my rest. Because they were so ungrateful, so ungrateful, that God had to say, they will never enter my rest. And they never, none of them did. None of the parents that came out of Asia entered. Because they were so ungrateful. All they did was complain and complain. They had the best of the best. They ate better than Solomon and all his riches. And they complained. And they complained. My brother and sister. Nothing was never enough. You know that having a, a, a bowl of fire that they had, the way the fire got set for them in the wilderness in front of them, were root out all snake, rattlesnake, any type of snake, alligator, whatever, whatever was in the desert that could kill them. The fire God made them, my friend, and run right before them. They were walking in a, like in a clear day, by night. Everything was cleaned out for them by the fire. Everything was set for them. My brother insisted. It's like cleaning the floor for a, a crawling baby. Removing anything that they can hurt themselves with out of the way. That's how God was treating those, those, those people. And they would still complain. He put a cloud during the day that would protect them from the sun. But not only protect them from the sun, it will give them the best temperature. It was the temperature was no more than 71, 75 practically for them. A breeze, fresh, perfect temperature every day for 40 years. A temperature that can never harm them, never burn them, never have a bad day like we do, a rain of this or that. Their day were clear. They were blessed. And they still murmur. My brother and sister, they still complain. Hallelujah. God was giving them everything that they needed. And they still complain. Why did God want them to eat manna? Because manna could be anything for them. But they asked for meat, burnt meat. And that's when God sends the quail. He sends millions of quail for them to cast kill and eat. My brother insisted. But the manna had all the vitamins that they, their body needed for them to be healthy and not get sick by any reason. And when he gave them quail, <coughs> they ate quail. And you, you know what happened when they began to eat meat? They began to get sick. Because scientists have has learned that people that eat meat get certain, certain, so, certain cancer, certain level of cancer up to 40% from eating a lot of meat. That's what scientists in the latest study are finding out, that people that eat a lot of meat can get up to 40% cancer in the blood and much more. And that's why there's so much cancer in the world today. The children of Israel begin to eat meat, begin to get cancer in the wilderness, begin to get sick. And what the Bible says, God sent his word and healed 
them all. My brother and sister, he sent his word. They began to get cancer. They began to get sick in the wilderness after eating so much quail. And God sent his word, says the book of Psalms, and healed them all. He sent Jesus in the wilderness to go about the people and heal. Because Jesus is the word of God, the Bible says. He sent Jesus among them, and Jesus went and healed them all. He healed them all, the Bible says. Whatever cancer they were getting, the women, the men, Jesus was healing them every day from it. That is a proof that you, go, you will get cancer. According to what scientists have these special machines now, and they're studying the meat very careful. They're finding out that a lot of people are getting cancer from meat, especially people that eat a lot of meat. These children of Israel were getting quail. They were getting cancer. They didn't know why they were getting sick. They didn't know. But according to today's study, they were getting cancer. They were getting cancer in the blood. They were getting sick, according to today's study. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Lord, we hear you from uh, asthma. Amen. And the Lord, God sent his word, sent Jesus, and healed them all. All the, all the people that were eating meat, meat lovers, a lot of meat lovers on this earth. And he healed them all from the cancer, from everything, cancer. I mean, meat will get fatigued. I mean, there's a, there's a list that you probably should have it. Of all the things you can get from, from eat, meat, eating meat. Fatigue. Um... I got to look it up. It's, it's a list. I don't have it now. That you can get from eating me. And these children of Israel were getting all that. And God sent Jesus to heal them all. And they were all being healed. All being healed. You know, God is so loving and so patient. Because God could have said to them, Moses, tell the people, I don't want them eating me. They're getting cancer. They're getting sick. He didn't say that. He didn't say that. He let them. He let them eat meat, although they were getting sick. And he sent Jesus to heal them. My brother and sister, look at the mercy, loving, caring God that we serve. He knows that meat is bad for people in general. But he's, he's not telling everybody to start eating meat like he says to me. He's allowing a lot of other people to eat meat. And then they have to cry out for him to send Jesus like he did with the children of Israel in the wilderness and heal them. There are people, sometimes you get sick out of the same sickness, and he'll heal you again. And you get sick again, he'll heal you again. He's being loving, he's being patient with us. My brother and sister, isn't that incredible how merciful he is? you got to see it from, from that point of view, that God was there for each and one of them. But they were not there for God. See, see the difference? God was there for them. Whatever they asked, God gave it to them. But they were not there for God in their personal relationship, my brother and sister. They were not there. They were not what God wanted them to be because they, they could have been talking to God. They could have been seeking God. They could have committed a life to God, my brother and sister, but they did not. They did not, my brother and sister. And by doing that, hallelujah, by doing that, they got themselves in disobedience. And God was totally pleased with them. America had become that nation 
are murmuring and complain. Here, Sister Celestia. Hello again, and welcome to the Master's Voice. I am Celestial, and you're welcome to this channel. To old and new subscribers alike, you're very welcome. If you are a new subscriber, I encourage you to make use of the tools that are here at the Master's Voice Prophecy blog so that you can be able to move through the material at a pace that will be beneficial to you. I have a dashboard. You can get there by clicking either the avatar, the profile picture for the channel, or you can click the channel name, the Master's Voice Prophecy blog, and that will take you to sort of the dashboard for the channel where you will see home, you will see videos, you will see channels, you will see playlists, you will see various things listed at the top. So you can go through this channel several ways. You can go through all the videos, set the filter from oldest to newest, and that is the most comprehensive way. I'm getting more and more feedback from people that God is touching them in their hearts to listen to all the videos here. Now that's obviously going to be quite an undertaking of work, but it will be well worth your while. By the time you go through all these videos at your own pace, you will have as comprehensive a view as is possible of all the things that the Lord is saying is coming to the nation of America first and then to the rest of the world. So you can do it that way. You can go through all the videos from the oldest to the newest. I personally highly recommend it. And you can also use the playlists. There are playlists where everything is listed by themes. So there's different topics here on the Master's Voice. The Holy Spirit talks on so many topics. But then there are what I would call major themes. These themes, the Lord has been revisiting these themes since I published this blog in 2019. And it's now 2024, February 2024, and the Holy Spirit is still coming back to touch on certain themes, such as Russia and China such as political changes coming here to the United States in terms of government, how things are done, what the United States is going to look like in the future. There's videos about changes that are coming to U.S. currency, changes that are going to affect the whole world because of a terrible financial crisis that is going to come. There is the supernatural playlist. I think there's two or three supernatural playlists. One of them is dealing with fallen angels and giants, Nephilim, the other one is dealing with um, supernatural, um, unclean hybrid beings called aliens. So I know the aliens are alone in their playlist. And then I think there's also another playlist. But a lot of the videos contained in that can only be found on BitChute, Rumble, and Brighteon because they are part of the 2020 COVID medical prophecies that I had here for, I think, about two years. And then because of YouTube's ever-changing policies, I was forced to move them. So I highly recommend that you go through the material. There's also the community page that you will be able to see on the dashboard. And on the community page, when I have time, I update prophecies that are developing because very few of these prophecies are just going to drop out of the sky and fulfill themselves. Most of them are slow burn prophecies. And if you have understanding, if you are a student of prophecy, you know that God doesn't have a desire to strike and destroy in one blow. This does not mean that God will not bring justice, that God will not bring judgment, that God will not bring punishment. What it means is that to Christians who have understanding and know the character of God, we understand 
that the time between a prophecy being given and a prophecy being fulfilled is crucial to those listening to the prophecy. That time that you can see represented by my hands here, that time is going to decide what kind of person you're going to be. So the worst kind of person is the person who hears the prophecy and between the time it is given and the time that it is fulfilled does nothing. We're going to discuss those people today for sure. So you hear the prophecy and then either because you're not listening, because you don't want to listen, because you have an opposing view, because you don't like the message or something like that, you hear a prophecy and then you dismiss it. You hear the prophecy and then you doubt it. You say, it doesn't sound like God to me. So these days, this is how we process the word of God. The word of God has to sound like what we think. We have a standard. It's right here. You read this thing regularly and it will tell you exactly what God sounds like. This book is the standard. This is the benchmark for what God sounds like. So God doesn't have to sound like what your grandmother told you, like what your favorite pastor told you, or even what your feelings are telling you. God only has to sound like, please listen, God only has to sound like and match up what's in here. Once we can find what God sounds like in here, then it doesn't really matter if you are even a Christian or not. Things that are going to happen in this world are going to happen to Christians and non-Christians alike. In fact, because of the things that will happen in the world, a lot of people who are not Christian, once they realize that calling out to the empty, nobody's there, nobody's actually answering faiths that they're in, once nobody begins to help those people, those people will rapidly respond to the voice and the message of the Lord Jesus Christ that will be going out throughout the whole earth. In times of crisis, in times of bombs, in times of wars, people are still going to be getting saved. And that is going to be a very crucial turning point in history. When bad things are happening on this earth, I can promise and guarantee you because I've seen it in so many prophetic dreams and the Lord had spoken about it to me so many times. When terrible tough things are happening, a lot of people will be coming into the kingdom. And when terrible tough things are happening, a lot of people will be flowing out of the kingdom. That will be those people who, be before, when they heard the prophecy, up until the time the prophecy was fulfilled, they didn't change anything. They didn't change their mindset. They didn't change their heart posture. That is how they deal with God, how they relate to God, how they relate to the word of God, the house of God. They didn't change the their attitude, they didn't change their faith level. There are people who hear the prophecies and believe it, but continue at the same faith level. They literally do not escalate. So they hear that deluge is coming, economic crash is coming, and they do not understand or factor in that between the time the word is given and the time the word is fulfilled, no matter what faith level you're at, you're going to need more faith than you think. You're absolutely not going to be allowed to stay the same and be able to jump the final hurdle. Even if the prophecy starts here, if it starts down here and you hear it, it's going to end up here on a very stressful and difficult high note. And if you think that you're going to bridge the difference, the gap between down here, which is just hearing about it, some people can't even hearing, can't handle hearing the things that I talk about. They get palpitations, they get stressed, they get teary, they, they get shredded, and yet you are only listening to the prophecy. When these things start to happen for real, 
Nobody's bridging this gap by staying the way they've, they're staying. If you have not started to get into the word of God, if you have not yet made an investment in your own personal Bible, by now, you've been listening to a few messages, you don't own a Bible, you've come from social media, and you think that how you handle the end times is reading the Bible on your phone or an audio Bible, we're all going to have to learn some difficult lessons and that's all I'll say. If you're a new person, it is very unlikely that you're going to be comfortable with what you hear here. And so please understand that your comfort level is something that you're going to have to work out. You don't have to be comfortable. Um, those of us who are committed Christians, we know you don't have to be comfortable in Christianity all the time. It is, it is not a picnic all the time. You don't read the Bible and see that the people in there were happy all the time. The people in the Bible got attacked. The people in the Bible dealt with sickness. They dealt with wars. They dealt with the deaths of their children. They dealt with sudden disasters. They also had to constantly deal with being confronted by their own sinfulness and handling God's response to human sinfulness. So this blog is spot on in terms of matching up with scripture and showing you that this doesn't have to match your feelings and this doesn't have to be easy for you to digest, to be a true work of God. The standard is, is what I'm talking about in here, is the Lord expressing himself exactly how he ex expressed himself in times past. And once that thing has been laid, then we're just going to have to fit ourselves around the reality of where we find ourselves. Um, I'm currently in a series, but the Lord has instructed me to take a slight detour, and this detour will be anything but slight. It's going to be not easy for people to hear, but nevertheless, these are themes that are well-worn. I've covered them a lot of times. The series that I'm in is related to the exposure of things that are extremely important to the end times. But for now, I'm taking a short break from that series to bring two dreams, and by the grace of God, maybe I'll be able to um, handle them both tonight. It will be two separate videos, not two dreams. One is a dream and the other one is a message from the Lord that came on February the 24th, which was yesterday. So before that, the dream from February the 23rd, 2024, and it's simply called a dream of the new America, the dream of the new America. And so here's what happened. Um, I've been having, I've been having the same dream come back but the frustrating thing is that when there's a lot going on, it's a busy day or I'm getting to bed too late, what happens is that the Holy Spirit will not be able to connect with me, Celestial, to give me the dream. And so there's panels. I guess people who work with stories, people who work with the movies, you'll understand. We all know what a panel is, actually. We see it in the movies all the time. It's the different scenes. So I've been seeing a panel of me just walking. I'm just walking, walking, walking. But every time I wake up, instantly I wake up, the dream is gone. The dream is gone. And so uh, on the 23rd of February, the dream came back. And it was very clear. And when I woke up, the Lord was talking to me about this dream. So the dream is going to contain the dream itself, as well as all the elements that the Lord was showing me and explaining to me. And the bottom line is, before I start, just so you can understand, America is going to change. If you're an American and you live abroad, then God bless you. You've, uh, excuse me, please. You've moved with wisdom. Maybe you left this place in the 80s or you left this place in the 70s and 
it was viable for you at that time. There are quite a few people who have been moving in the last few years. And that is because many people are waking up and they can read the writing on the wall. And so I've always said in the old prophecies that the reason that you can't be upset, for instance, if you are in an income bracket where you can't move, is because this is part of life. I explained this thing since 2019 already. And I was saying that the Lord said, for instance, that shortages will come, that we're going to have problems with access to medical care and things like that. And what is a fact of life? A fact of life is that when you are financially constrained, you can do less. And we all learned that lesson in COVID. The people who had more money bought more stuff. And the people who had less money had less stuff. And the people who had more savings are not getting evicted now in the years after COVID. The people who had more money just kept paying their rent. And the people who didn't got fooled by the stimulus check. They stopped paying their rent. They thought that Daddy Biden was going to carry them forever. And then he did a looky-loo, a switcheroo, and he didn't. And then that's why housing court is constantly stuffed. That's the most backlogged court of any court in the nation. Why? Because there's thousands and tens of thousands of people getting evicted off of that 2020 stuff. Finances play a role. This is life. This is actually how prophecy unfolds. Prophecy is not going to unfold in a vacuum. It's not going to unfold as a mystery. It is going to take place along sometimes very obvious tracks. But that doesn't mean it's not prophecy. The whole point of it is being told about it before it happens. Why? So that whether you have more money or less money, whether you have a disability or not, you can exploit the gap between hearing about it and the day it comes. If you are dealing with financial constraints, you are dealing with socioeconomic problems, you're dealing with health challenges, the gap is God's mercy. People come here all the time and harass or attempt to harass me. Your prophecies are not loving. God loves you enough to warn you about what is coming. If that's not love, if love is not seeing a pothole or in this case, a, a plunging cliff edge in the front and telling you cliff edge then I don't know what love is. Love warns you. Love will tell you that the protective rails are going to get ripped off. Love will tell you there's a harsh impact up ahead. Strap on and put on your seatbelt. Don't mind your wife who doesn't listen and tells you that the channel is doom and gloom. Don't mind your brother who dismisses it. Or don't mind your mother who listens a little bit, but then she lets her fear get the better of her. And then she says, no, I don't think this is God. It doesn't sound like God. It doesn't matter in the end whether we think it sounds like God or not. The Lord is talking to this country and all the nations are watching exactly like they will be watching at our final destruction in Revelation 18. The nations are the witness. They are all tuned in here. All the continents except perhaps Antarctica are watching. And the reason the viewership is growing is not because of bedside manner. The viewership is growing because the whole earth, true Christians, even non-Christians, are hungry to know what comes next. This is why people go to psychics. This is why people do their horoscope. This is why people read tarot cards. This is why people are in witchcraft. Humanity has a hole in them that wants to know the future. Prophecy is the only clean vehicle by which God will tell you the future. The only thing is that this is not a future that you can shift or change. Not in this case, not for America. We have a brand new face coming. 
And the gap is the hope. The gap is the love. The gap is the mercy. And if you don't want it, then there's literally nothing left for you but to stay the same until fulfillment comes. And then you will be destroyed. Because what's waiting after fulfillment is certain destruction. That's where the cliff falls away. So if you didn't strap on a parachute before you got to this one, then there's nothing more to say. I dreamt of the new military America that is coming. Something had happened in this country. So I said that I'd been sleeping and the dream was not coming to me, but I finally dreamt. February the 23rd, 2024, I dreamt of the new military America. It was a heavily militarized America, okay? We don't see the military in this country. We do not see them. We watch them when they're performing shock and awe on other countries, when they're uh, at war with other countries outside. That's when all the news channels are making sure that we can see the three missile formation. We can see the ships at sea. This thing is viewed from a distance. It is viewed through a viewfinder. Okay, so it's only, it is watch only for us. But America had changed. Something had happened in this country, and it was not a positive something. It was a negative something, and it was a hard impact something. God has been talking to me about hard impact for a long time, even before COVID. A hard impact is when something that is already planned, in the case of America, it's already planned. Please don't think that it's organic. Please don't think, oh, it's going to. No. It's already planned. Hard impact is when they plan something and they literally are going to take the vehicle and smash it into the wall, into the wall at 200 miles per hour on a day that you don't expect and you're not going to be wearing a seatbelt unless the Holy Spirit has mercy and warns you. 9-11 was the perfect example of uh, a hard impact. A 9-11 is the kind of thing that America does when they need to reset the country and they need to bypass all of us talking, all of us saying, no, you can't do that. And this amendment and that amendment. And remember the amendments, when they want to bypass talk, when they want to bypass um, pushback, when they want to bypass getting impeached and voted out, what happens is that a hard impact is the best way. It's a hard reset. You wipe the computer, you wipe the laptop, you wipe the tablet, and then you start over. And because it's such a shell-shocking experience, The people do not respond in any kind of useful way. And that is what happened to Americans when whatever this thing happened, something went wrong. There was a shift in the country. And whatever that hard impact was, it shifted all of us immediately into a new lifestyle. I'm not saying that people lost their jobs or I'm not saying that buildings fell or anything like that. Whatever had happened necessitated um, a militarized America. I will give the prophecies at the end as the Lord is bringing them to my mind now. Whatever had happened, it necessitated a militarized America. A militarized America means that you're not going to get out of your house and just walk to the end of the street or walk all the way several blocks to the train station and only see people walking their dog and people getting the paper and people doing what they're doing. You're going to see cops everywhere. You're going to see soldiers everywhere, exactly as it was in COVID, except worse. And so something had happened. It shifted us suddenly into a new lifestyle. And that new lifestyle, I'm telling you, there were tanks on the street. So just the way it looks in 
Yemen, I guess, the way it must have looked in Afghanistan, the way it looked in Iraq with American presence everywhere, heavy on the street. It was like that. There were tanks on the streets and guns, armored vehicles, armed military, and these things were suddenly a part of everyday life. Everywhere in America had experienced the same sudden change. So this is going to be a national thing, not like 9-11. 9-11 was a New York thing that had far-reaching implications throughout the country, Patriot Act and all that as a result. Search and seizure, taking off your shoes at the airport, um, being searched, you know, and not needing a search warrant, that kind of thing. National security hyped up. All of that is the fruit of the evil tree of 9-11. And please note, because I covered it in the prophecy that is called the Patriot Act, that tree has never stopped bearing fruit. And the Lord says that the tree that bore the Patriot Act will never stop bearing fruit until the old Patriot Act is replaced with a new one that is going to be even more draconian, even more far-reaching, even more putting its hands into your wallet and walking into your house without a search warrant. It's going to be much worse than that. And so that was what that prophecy was about. But all these things, guns and tanks, if you can imagine tanks in, in the U.S. streets, is going to be a part of everyday life. And the same sudden change had happened everywhere. It was not a localized change. The same change had happened everywhere, whatever that event was. The same response happened across the country. Every part of the United States shifted and all of a sudden, military presence was visible on our streets on a regular basis. So just a moment, please. So the three-part prophecies that talk about, they're called in quick succession, America in turmoil. In quick succession, America in turmoil. And that's part one, part two, and part three. Part three talks about the deep state and Donald Trump. But part two and part one was talking about a time when America will become highly destabilized because of actions that the government will be taking, taking to usher us into a new life where the military will be a visible part of everyday life. Right now, there's no stable country that has military on the street. It's, it's not a sign of development to be a country that has guns on the street. In fact, every time we see guns on the street, we know that stability and political power is not operating well in that country. Whenever you wake up and you see a coup, you always see the men outside with guns on the street. And that's not a sign that the arms of government are working well. That's a sign of severe instability, severe unrest. Something is wrong in that country. And the proof of that is that you need men with guns on the street to give some kind of order. It's never supposed to be like that. And so soldiers were everywhere, and then they were being backed up by police presence. They were being backed up by police presence, but the soldiers far outnumbered the police. So whatever this was, this response was very well planned. Because one of the things that I saw when the Lord was speaking to me tonight is when he was telling me about the tanks is that I saw, you could say it's a barn, but it's not necessarily a barn. Let's just say it's barn shaped and it's not painted red like the stereotypical barn. It's, I want to call it a silo, 
But let's just say something brown and made of wood, and then it has a ramp, very big. And then I just saw the tanks coming out of it like that, coming out of it like that. And then they would come out, and then some of them would go right, and then some of them would go left, and then they would drive until they get to the highway, and then they began to deploy along the highways. Whatever it is that is going to happen in this country, we need to understand that the tanks will be in position already. So I'm not familiar with the way the, the military does things. I don't know if the military sits in one part of the country and then when something happens, they have to drive all the way from there and go to all the different parts or if they have, yeah, they do have bases, but I don't know if they have, for instance, tanks at all the bases. What I know is that these tanks are not coming from the military bases. These tanks are in the various locations. I didn't see them so much in rural areas, but definitely in areas that we live in, cities, urban areas. These tanks are already in the urban areas, hiding in what looks like brown barns. Now, it might be simple gray cement buildings, but whenever the Lord is showing me barns, he's simply showing me stored up. This is a place that is stored up. This is a place that has been kept up because normally in barns, we store resources. We store our animals there. We store feed. We store grain. We store uh, harvest. Barns are used to store what we need. But what the U.S. government is doing is that they have locations all across the country where they have put the tanks. And when they do the thing that they're going to do, all of a sudden, the tanks are just going to be rolling out like that. That's how I saw them. They were just coming down this little ramp, one, two, three, four, in a very toy-like formation. That's how God was showing it. Coming out like military toys, and then some going left and some going right. And what they were doing is seeking the fastest way to get on the highway. And then they will just spread out through the suburbs. They will spread out through the ordinary neighborhoods. So that's what I saw. The soldiers were far more than the police presence. And because of their numbers... And because of their demeanor and also because of the fact that their weapons were very prominent, these men are going to be holding uh, things that we usually only see in the movies. We, we see their weapons in the movies, the kind that they show us anyway. But they're going to be holding it right there in front of your child that you've been perfect, protecting from violence all your life and things like that. And just the fact that we don't see them every day, the soldiers were definitely predominating on the intimidation factor that was coming across to us in the street. I'm telling you now, you've watched uh, Call of Glory and you've watched Saving Private Ryan and you've watched everything that Hollywood has made and you think that you are a very tough man, but you are not. Because when you are confronted by these men who will not speak to you, who will not answer any questions. If you've never had a USGI standing there and you ask him something and then he does this, the slow turn with the mirrored glasses, the mirrored military sunglasses, if you never had that man turn from whatever he was looking at and turn to look at you like you are the last roach that escaped the raid, then you're going to find out in the future and you're going to feel that small because they're not going to relate with you the way TV has told you. TV has told you that Bucko and Buddy Boy are your friends. They're the cavalcade. They're the cavalry. They're the saviors. They're the boys. But when this government weapons up the boys against us and are told that we are the problem, 
that we are the, what's the military word? The target. It's no longer Al Jazeera and Al Fazir. It will be us, normal people in our homes, that will be getting all this flack from these people. And because the police are going to so want to support and impress these men, American police are going to be excessively even more gruff than they are now, excessively trigger happy, excessively aggressive, because they're going to think where the soldiers are here and we've got to show them that we're not soft. It's going to be a very dangerous kind of situation. And the reason I'm, I'm making this clear is so that those who have ears to listen will begin to understand that Clarity is not meant to induce fear. Obviously, if you're hearing something that you're unused to, yes, you might feel fear. The clarity is actually God's way of telling you, it's time to put your trust in me because you can't outrun a bullet. And it's time to put your trust in me because you've got great medical coverage, but medical coverage will be difficult to be happy about if somebody puts the, the butt of a gun against your cheek and breaks your jaw because you didn't know when to stop talking or you didn't know not to talk to those people. So soldiers were out, police were supporting them, and the soldiers were wearing some kind of distinctive, very heavy gray armor that doesn't look like cloth. So it, it might be cloth, but it's cloth over some kind of hard thing. So it's either the hard thing is on top or it's cloth over a hard thing that they're wearing on side, on the side with a small American flag on the chest part, gray war helmets, and just some kind of unfamiliar blocky armor that was part of their uniform, mirrored sunglasses, and a very cold attitude. And there was also, as I said, the presence of weapons Guns will be everywhere. That's what I was seeing. In this dream, I was walking. I don't know if the bus system was working, the train system was walking, but the Lord just working. The Lord just had me walking. The military had their guns out everywhere. When they say bristling with weapons, that's what it was like. I saw many roadblocks. The roadblocks will be quite frustrating, especially if you're driving roadblocks everywhere. You just go a couple blocks, there's another roadblock. Where are you going? Where are you coming from? That kind of thing. I saw armored vehicles, tanks. I saw uh, there were multiple sirens going off. So I don't know if this is because of maybe a fire alarm or police cars driving by, but there was just sirens going off. You know that kind of scene, like after there's been an explosion in the movies, how they'll just have the siren going off and the smoke and the person is all confused and everything like that. Lots of stuff going on and definitely public announcement systems going all the time. This is not a test. Please refrain from being in the streets if you don't have to. I didn't see them stopping people because I was in the streets. There was a lot of people in the streets. So I was outside. It wasn't lockdown, lockdown where you can't come outside like during COVID. And it was so nerve-wracking. I'm telling you now, it was so nerve-wracking it was rough to be suddenly caught up in a system like that. And I was walking around because I don't have a car and I don't know if the metro system was working or not, but I was just walking through the streets. And what was happening is that as I was walking through the streets, I saw a ton of dazed people. People were so dazed. People didn't know if it was Tuesday or January the 4th. People were 
they had nowhere to start, nowhere to begin. And this is because people in this country are so coddled. People in America actually think that bad luck, having your your way of life upended, being attacked, these are all things that in the American psyche happen to other people. So we sit here and we watch and life happens to Syria, life happens to Cuba, life happens to everybody else. But here, there's this pervasive belief that life cannot be touched. And yet beneath that, there's a tiny contingent of people who know. This is usually older people. Older people have put their life experience to use. And older people, at least the ones who write me, they always tell me, Celestial, I'm, I'm sad to hear what you're saying. But I'm not surprised because I'm 60 this year is old. I'm 70 this year is old. And I knew that the penny has to drop sometime. And so older people, that class has sense. That class knows that you can't just go around the world bombing people for your entire career and then get to die in bed. This nation, the United States of America, is not going to die in bed. So as much as people want to think that she will come to her old age and then she will die in bed, America will die in bloody battle and bombs and repayments for every single evil that she has done. And the closer a person is to understanding and accepting that reality and beginning to craft for themselves a new personality, a new selfhood, under that realization, the happier actually that person will be because the happiest people on earth are people who walk and operate and live in the light of truth and not in the darkness of befuddlement and deception and God would never say that. These are the people I was seeing in the street. God wasn't showing me the people like myself who made peace in 2012, 2013, 2015 with what God was saying. And then since then, it's simply been putting on additional layers of whatever preparedness that my soul can work on. No, the people I was seeing in the dream were dazed. They were shell-shocked. They were terrified. They could not process what was going on. And yet at the same time, I had the feeling that what had happened was recent it had recently happened. I was seeing people just in the aftermath of this thing, but I wasn't seeing them like the day of. So I wasn't seeing them the day that we will all be surprised when we're watching the TV and then that yellow line. We all know the infamous yellow line. The yellow line is breaking news. Breaking news, so-and-so has died. Breaking news, so-and-so has bombed so-and-so place. Casualties are this many. Breaking news, an earthquake has just broken this country in half. It wasn't that day, and it wasn't the day after, and it wasn't even the week of. I felt like maybe this thing was maybe two weeks to even a month or a little longer on, but people could not absorb what had happened. They were not coping well at all. Many breakdowns and just people wandering, and you can see on their face what is happening, what is happening. So imagine something is a month in, six weeks in, and you're still outside with that face that what is happening face. What do you think is happening? What is TV telling you is happening? What do the guns tell you is happening? The tank is outside the Walmart. The guy with the bullhorn, keep it moving. One glass of milk each or whatever. What, what are your senses and reality telling you is happening? And what is happening with you that you will not be able, whoever these people are, and there's millions of them to absorb 
what is taking place. And so I saw them, and this one question kept coming out of my mouth, and I found it so curious. But when I woke up, God was just making it um, clearer to me. I saw people wandering around. They were just staring at everything, and they were trying to get it, and they weren't getting it. But I, having got it, was asking them this curious question. How exposed were you? How exposed were you? So I'm not talking about exposed to radiation. I said, what did they get on you? What did they get on you? What Before this happened, what did these people get on you? Why did you expose yourself? And to what extent did you expose yourself? Didn't you know that these people would find out everything about you? So I was asking basically Americans, how exposed were you online? What was your exposure like online? Did you have your whole family history online? Did you go and post your Ancestry.com 23andMe, I'm half Irish and partly frog results online? Did you have your house address online? What did you have online? How exposed were you before this happened? I was asking the women, why did you expose yourself? Why were you posting yourself in a bikini everywhere? Don't you know that it's men who monitor the internet, monitor the internet all day long? Don't you know that it takes them only 5.5 seconds to reverse search your image and then from there find your house, your job, and your personal location? Why do you have all this information online? Why are you posting pictures of your new house? Why are you posting so many pictures of your children? Why is everything about you just online there for the government to take and use against you? So I'm asking these questions, and nobody was in a state to answer me. Nobody could really answer me because people just were not generally in a state to talk. So after trying to get information out of them and failing, I would just leave the one I was talking to and keep going on my journey until I met another person. And I was very frustrated in this dream, not so much because of what had happened, but because most of the people I met were in such a hopeless state, sad, hopeless, depressed, crying, stressed out, male and female. They could barely express themselves. You stop and talk to a person and they're just like, what's going on? Do you have any idea why they're doing this? And you're basically looking at the aftermath of a country that has not prepared for something that is surely coming to them. If you've been coming to this channel, you know why this is coming. This is coming because God says that an unrighteous people must be left in the hands of their own unrighteous government so that unrighteous and unrighteous can fight it out in the unrighteous battle of the unrighteous. That is why it is coming. It is also coming for higher reasons that I will discuss in the second prophecy, but you can hear about it here. The higher reason that this will happen is that because America must be led into the beast system. If America will not be led into the beast system, then the people that have already made commitments on the side, beast system coming up, yes, we've signed up. We'll be there. Count on us. We're coming and we're bringing our country with us. The Europeans have already been in the system as you will hear in the second prophecy. The Lord just knows everything and the way he puts that knowledge together. It never fails to surprise me. These system elements are already at work in many, many other places around the world, but here it has been solidly organic U.S. And now... The beast system architects in the United States are frustrated because they are late, late for a very important date. They have to get to Revelation 13. They're late for Revelation 13. They're late to also throw in 
their chips, throw in their cap to Satan who is going to empower his beast, who will rise from the sea of people. All that stuff is behind because of the resistance and recalcitrance of the United States. This love for freedom and the flag and a barbecue and a beer and the this amendment and that amendment and the guns, it has got to stop. And the reason that God is not going to stop it is because last time I checked, Revelation 13 is in the Bible. That means that it has to be fulfilled. It's not going to stop because the people who don't want to participate in Revelation 13, all nations are going to participate in Revelation 13. Everybody's going to do roll call. It's just that America's roll call is going to have to be hard impacted because she can't be tricked. She can't be tricked into the money system. She can't be tricked into giving up her weapons like Canada and Australia have done. She can't be tricked into a lot of things. It's not that the people are so astute. It is actually that the people are so stubborn and so dead set on their rights. This nation is built off of the love of rights. Who can have rights and who cannot have rights and who can never take away certain rights. And because of that, nothing but a hard reset, nothing but a hard impact will work to bring about Revelation 13 here. And so people were broken. People were hopeless. People had no context. People had no no sense of how to respond. And because of that, obviously, they weren't going to talk to me about what steps they could have taken in the past and what could they have done better to protect their online identity and things like that. All they wanted to know from me is why is America like this? Why has America gone under this obvious military lockdown? And why has it happened in such an obvious, scary way? When this thing that I'm talking about happens, it's never going to creep up on us of a soft midnight. When this thing I'm talking about happens, it's literally going to happen in our faces. There is no way to hide that you're going to put tanks in the street. And in the past, in one of these live prophecies, I think, I was talking about how America is going to end up looking just like uh, France did. There was a time when France went through this exact situation that I'm talking about, and the UK too. There was a time when bombs kept going off in that place. Bombs kept going off in that place. And then the French were told, listen, for safety's sake, because we don't know where the next bomb is going to go off, but let us put some soldiers on the street, and let us put some military here, and let's have some tanks, and let's have some guns, and let's have some this. And for a brief moment, because of what? Because of fear, the French people agreed to that. The French people said, yes, yes, of course, put them there. But then after a while, being French and also being extremely married to their rights, they began to protest against the government and say, listen, when are these soldiers going back? Because the soldiers belong in the barracks. The soldiers don't belong on the streets of Paris and um, all the other places. This is actually government overreach. You're overstaying your welcome. The Constitution says this, and you're not allowed to do that. And they began to protest, and they began to push back. And eventually, the president had to cave quite reluctantly, it seemed, and he pulled the military off the streets. So... America is going to end up just like that. I said that a few years ago, that America, you're going to go through your France period as well. The government was not talking to us as it should have been, meaning that nobody was appearing behind that blue background to say, my fellow Americans, 
The reason that the guys are out there is because of A and B and C. They were not being overly communicative. And because this was a dream, I just wrote it down. But then this exact thing appears in the message the Lord gave me on February the 24th, which was yesterday. They were not talking to us as usual. They were not making any effort to be transparent about what was happening. And so all we had to go on was what we could see. We could see the increased military presence. We could see the heavy police presence. We could definitely see all the different types of guns on the street. We could see the dogs. Dogs will be freely used in this time period. We could see the dogs everywhere. We heard the bullhorn and the public service announcements regularly. We were seeing the soldiers at all the checkpoints, and so it was impossible to miss. But people could not discuss this. And this is the disconnect that many will face going into the future. People who are sitting here, people who are listening, whether you know it or not, you will be shocked to find that you will have something like a pillow in your heart at the time it happens. I'm not saying that you will not feel the initial fear. I'm not saying that you will not feel the initial shock. Just because God has told you doesn't mean that you are cut off from realizing the reality of a thing when it happens. What you will have is the buffer of knowledge that comes with accepting and understanding where we are and where the Holy Spirit says we are going. You will not need to be dragged kicking and screaming into the beast system. So that means that your chances of getting shot on the street for getting into a pointless argument with a soldier are next to nothing. Like you have a 100% life expectancy rate in an altercation with a soldier because you already sat here um, and heard not to altercate with soldiers. Somebody else, Mr. Gun Polisher or Mr. Liberal Arts Professor, even though that's highly unlikely that such a person would do that, but... Somebody else who is being taken by surprise. So somebody else who's been drinking all the Kool-Aid on CNN and Fox News and World News America. Somebody else is right there at the bottom of the totem pole in being able to process this without being stressed, without being depressed, without being extremely angry, without being extremely filled with rage. When a person is filled with rage, crisis, crisis response goes right, right down. It plummets. Sound responses, right choices, right out the window. Because that's what anger does. That's what fear does. That's what stress does. It ruins your crisis response. And so these are some of the shields that God is giving his people. This is why the Bible will say things like, I think it's, hmm, I think it's in Isaiah somewhere, where it says, enter into your rooms, my people, and hide yourselves. When you hear God saying something like, enter into your room, hide yourself, what he's telling you is that something is coming. He's not lying to you. He's not telling you that you're going to be carried away in the rapture. He's not telling you, oh, no, nothing will ever happen to you. He's not telling you, oh, no, I love you too much to hurt you. He's saying, no, things are about to be released. Those things are going to be very hard. They're going to be very deadly. And my best location for you is to be in your room, which is a safe location, a place of hiding. So many people think that the safe place that God is going to put them away from the things I'm talking about, is in the rapture. God isn't putting anybody in any rapture. I'm talking about real-life things that are unfolding that have only taken four years to unfold. I've been talking about this new America since 2019. A dream of a new America. I think that's the name, the name of one of the prophecies. It's actually called a vision of America. And I was saying the same thing. 
I was saying that these cops are coming who are going to beat you until your bone doesn't bend this way. It bends the other way. You meet up with those men. You take yourself and talk about this, this matters and that matters and I'm going to protest and I'm going to stand up. Those people are not chatty. Those men, those cops in the black, the new military cops that will come, not the blue cap wearing. No, those men will beat you until your bone is in a new formation and nobody will sue them. You will get zero compensation. You will not go after their bond. None of the things that you are learning on Facebook and TikTok are going to work. Those men will not be going to jail. It will just you either go to the hospital or the morgue because they will have full license of the government to beat, to scatter, to break all the amendments, to break the whole constitution if necessary, and nothing is going to happen to them. No rapture is coming to interrupt that trajectory. So if you're not able to absorb what's coming, see the difficulty that you'll be in. And so uh, the government was quiet. We were seeing obvious signs. And because people were not able to process, people were not even able to talk or think many times as I was asking them my questions, I was just forced to abandon the exercise and I left them and I would just keep going until I met the next one. What were you doing online before this? How exposed were you? Why did you have all your information out there? Why were you so careless? And now here are the things that the Lord added when I woke up and I was now putting the dream down on paper. said the government will be very intimidating in America. This nation is going into military lockdown in the future. It has already been planned and it's going to happen. The USA will become a full war government. Now, um... I guess that means what it says. Every government is different in times of war than in times of peace. In times of peace, all the all the civil rights for sure are in full operation. The judicial system is the normal one and things like that. But in war, many emergency provisions are either written for the first time or the old ones that worked in the last war are invoked. And so God was telling me that America will become a full war government America is going to have a military government that has unlimited power to use emergency law. That is martial law. The government that we're going to have in the future will have unlimited power to use emergency law, martial law, due to the circumstances that we will be living under. And so the circumstances will inform how the government behaves and the type of legal system that we're operating on. God says that America will definitely experience wartime conditions and the peculiar type of government that goes along with it. He also said that we will have military tribunals here, and that is what normal citizens will go to. Military tribunals are strictly for the military. So the Army have theirs, and I guess the Air Force have theirs, and the Navy have theirs, and all of them have their soldier jail. I don't think soldiers go to real jail. I think they go to soldier jail, and I think soldiers... Uh, have trials at military tribunals. But God says that normal citizens are going to go to military tribunals as well. The judiciary will be completely suspended at that time. We will not have normal system of checks and balances in the laws. And the legal system will be military and not civilian. We will also have checkpoints. We will have curfews. We will have roadblocks. We will have quarantines. We will have unlawful search and seizure. We will have unlawful detention. We will have indefinite detention. 
We will have trial without representation. We will have a sharp curtailment of all human rights all around by using the circumstances prevailing at that time as a reason to shift the country in a new direction. So checkpoints, you're moving from point A to point B. You will either be stopped and asked for a reason or, as I have described here in the past, I think the prophecy is called Nazis and something. It's a prophecy from 2020 or 2021. I think it's 2020. America is going to be divided. So I've been bringing that word since 2021, that America is going to be divided by checkpoints. America is also going to be divided by borders. Right now, we just have state lines. You just get to the state line, and I guess you just crossed or whatever. America is going to be divided as in Minnesota will be one little country that's different from Vermont, which is different from New Jersey, which is different from Pennsylvania, which is different from Virginia. It's literally going to be like little countries inside the continent locked up. And I explained in one video that what I saw is when this new world government comes in, it's going to be America has a big outside border keeping her, let's say, from Mexico, from Canada, from everywhere else, an outside border. But then between two states, the two states might say, I don't want to be, I don't want to have free passage. So the two states will then borderize themselves inside, which means that you could have New Jersey and New York right next to each other. And due to state choice, this is inside the B system now, when the B system actually happens, due to the choices of the state, we're inside the bigger border. And then inside the bigger border, these two states decide to border up as well. And you will now need papers. You will now need special identification papers to cross from the two as if you're crossing between two separate countries. But at the time that the government does this, they will just be using checkpoints to do that division. And they did that in COVID um, because New York was so filled with COVID. I think that um, other states were stopping people with New York licenses from going in. They were being turned back. And so curfews is giving a special time to go to bed. And this will probably be uh, a blanket time where you have to be in the house. You have to be in the house by a certain time. And they might only make exceptions for maybe emergency services, exceptions for doctors and things like that, exceptions for the police and the firefighters. Anything that is not an emergency, you will have to be at home at a certain time. And the way curfews work is you also can't come out of the house until a certain time in the morning. Roadblocks, pretty close to checkpoints, except a roadblock is, it doesn't necessarily need to be at a border point. A roadblock can be set up anywhere. So this is Something happens, you want to flee your area, they set up a roadblock, and then they'll be telling you, turn back, turn back, go back to your home, stay back to your home. You can also use a roadblock to do exactly what I'm going to say next. You can use a roadblock to quarantine. You can set up roadblocks at all the entrances to, for instance, a very big apartment complex, or you can use it to set up um, roadblocks to lock off an entire subdivision, and then all the people in that subdivision will have to stay there. They won't be able to drive out. There'll be no way to get out, you know. And then the next thing he said we will see is quarantines. This is definitely related to diseases. And in wartime, please understand that your rights are suspended. 
And the reason they're suspended is for national security and also the smaller national security, which is called uh, socially, it's called for the greater good, for the greater good. So they'll say that there is an outbreak of this disease. You look a bit fluey, your temperature is wrong, and you could say, no, but I was running to catch the train and that's why I'm warm. And they'll say, well, we don't believe you. You look like you're coming down with this brand new thing that we just invented or discovered, and they quarantine you. They lock you up. Unlawful search and seizure. The government will have power to make up a crime, accuse you of the crime, and then come and search you and then plant evidence on you if they're really good and if you're not watching out. And then they will say, aha, we've searched you without a warrant, and then we seized this thing that we actually brought in our own backpack, and that is... Definitely by now, you are just basically getting the picture that dangerous times are coming and dangerous times are best lived through by wise people who are very prayerful, wise people who are listening with all their heart, wise people who understand that the spirit of fear is not given unto the children of God and therefore those wise people need to do deep dives into the Lord's presence. No one is getting through the end times without God's presence. I don't care what religion you are at the time that you are watching or not watching this video. Not a single soul is getting through the book of Revelation until that soul has bowed its knee and confessed that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father and has repented of all their sins, has bowed their neck and humbled themselves in submission to Christ Jesus. If you have any other formula, I'm pleased to inform you, you are not getting through the end times. No one is getting through this gate of testing unless Jesus Christ is their escort, their guide, and the one who is taking them through it to whatever ending he has for them. There's going to be unlawful detention. They will pick you up and just be able to keep a person without cause. You don't have to read them their rights, and you don't have to give them a reason. You can simply say that we have suspicion. And then you say suspicion of what? And they'll be like, we're suspicious of what we're suspicious about, and that's on a need-to-know basis, mister. And then they just keep you there for six months. Your family's looking for you. And that leads us to the next one, indefinite detention. They might keep you for six months and you're lucky to come out, or they just might keep you forever, like the people who die in Guantanamo Bay. They will keep a person for trial without representation. This is you go to court and there's nobody standing there fighting for you. The judge will just ask you some questions. And if you're not able to answer satisfactorily or it's kangaroo court, basically. It's not a real, real legal system. They just railroad you so they can punish you. And God is just saying that they will sharply limit to curtail all human rights by using the circumstances at that time. Please see the wisdom. See the crafty evil, evil wisdom. So you do all this, and then you say we're doing it because of the circumstances. But then you're the one who caused the circumstances. You're the one who took the vehicle and smashed it into the wall, created the circumstances, and then said, we have to change things now because look at what happened. And so they will use the circumstances prevailing at that time as a reason to shift the country in a new direction. If you have never seen the old footage of now passed on senior George Bush saying, we have at this time an opportunity to create for ourselves a new world order, that ourselves is them. The shadow government that I've been speaking about here for years, that ourselves is definitely not the collective. It's definitely not everybody. It's a certain group of people. And this new direction is to meet up with scripture. We are heading to meet up with scripture. There is a beast that has to rule a beast system. 
and no nation is going to be spared from that beast system. The Lord also says that there will be a heavy divide and rule policy. That means that the government is going to definitely weaponize the new laws that it will be making up at the drop of a hat. And what God says is that they will make the rules and they will implement them very aggressively. So they will be very protective of their on-the-spur-of-the-moment new rules that they make. But he says that they will also use those same rules to make individuals turn on one another. Divide and rule means using one person against another by offering incentives to people in exchange for certain acts or information. Whoever wants or needs that incentive will crack first and will do whatever the government wants them to do against one other person or a large mass of people. And examples that came to my mind that I've covered in other videos are this thing that they've been floating for a long time, the universal basic income, saying that, well, you know, life is very unfair. Some people earn so much money and some people earn so little money. And as a result, we're experiencing food insecurity at the bottom and we're experiencing housing insecurity and we're experiencing all the insecurities. And therefore, there should be a baseline set that everybody earns this money. Now, what happens is for the people at the bottom, it is in a way useful. It's helpful because at least it ensures that the basic income that is set helps them to always be able to have food, helps them to always to be able to have, have housing and things like that. But what they don't mention is that it will curb top earners and bring them also to that baseline. And so we are going into an America where you, the hard worker, will be told that you're making too much money and you will start to come under scrutiny and you will start to come under persecution. And rich people are not used to being persecuted. They're used to being the persecutors or they're just being used to left to be left alone. What they're not used to is being persecuted because of how much they earn and being asked, where is this money coming from? And are you sure you're not a drug baron? And things like that. So UBI is an incentive whereby if somebody wants to get that UBI, and this is leading into the other prophecy, Lord, you're so wonderful because everything just fits together like a jigsaw puzzle if a person takes time to pay attention. If a person wants the UBI, and if enough people want the UBI and too few people, because there's always less rich people and well-off people than median income and struggling people, if the larger block wants UBI, UBI is going to come and they're just going to cut off the free market economy business. That's all going to go away anyway. Anything, everything in the beast system, especially here in America, is going to be state-owned. The government's going to own all, own all the corporations. The government's going to own all the gas stations, all the railways. Nothing's going to be private. The state is going to own it all because only the state has the wisdom to manage resources, to manage funds, to manage all the banks. Everything is just going to be the central hub of the U.S. government. And who doesn't like it will just have to go to a camp and rethink their life choices. And so one example of divide and rule is UBI. UBI is definitely going to split all societies where that comes. People who want to be free to work and earn, they're not going to be able to do that. And those who don't want to be free, those who just want to be taken care of and say, no, all my life I've had to fight. And now this sounds like a good deal. It's going to split the society. Another thing that's going to split the society is the, the social credit score system. Social credit score is going to be one of the worst 
things that will ever be introduced into society because they'll be ranking you on how well people like you, which will automatically trigger people to be fake because now you have to, you can't just be yourself. You have to work hard and make sure that people like you because if people don't like you, they will have the right to to impact your score in some way. I don't know how another person can impact your personal score from the government. Maybe they'll report you. Maybe they'll say, I had an interaction with her at the bank and I didn't like her. And then that will go into AI and then AI will add up all your scores and start giving you a 3.1 when what you need to have a decent life is maybe a five or seven and things like that. And so the social social credit score system, I've covered it in many old videos. And the last thing that the Lord said to me is, a new America is coming. This is the word of the Lord. A new America is coming. This is the word of the Lord. And so you've heard here many things such as that America will be highly militarized. And I don't think that any prophecies really capture that as well as the three-part series that is called In Quick Succession. America in turmoil, but it's been mentioned in quite a few other prophecies. There's one prophecy I never made a video for. That prophecy is simply called tanks, tanks in America, tanks in America. And basically it was just God showing me that for the first time ever, everything that they use at the Washington, D.C. military parade and all that, we're going to see it dispersed throughout our neighborhoods. And this is the visible arm of the beast system. So you have heard the word of the Lord. The dream is called a dream of the new America. This is February 23rd, 2024. I am Celestial and this is the master's voice. Thank you for being with me. I hope that your hearts are open. I hope that your hearts are listening. I hope that you are not trying to live this Christian life through uh, physical force. You cannot force Christianity. Christianity has to be organic. Christianity is the living relationship that every soul has with their maker, the Lord Jesus Christ. Some people may be locked in, fully locked in. Some people may be partly locked in. A lot of people are playing with their souls. A lot of people think that God is still an option. A lot of people think that the way to handle hearing the true prophetic word of God in the earth is to dismiss it or try to pick it apart. And I think I think it's necessary to simply continue to warn people that what you choose to do with the time that you have left is your choice, but you can't cry later. Like so many millions will cry. So you're waiting to margarize and maga up and glow up and Democratic National Congress up and you're waiting for a lot of stuff. And then when things end up in a totally different ballpark, then you will want to start crying. Then you will want to start doing 9-11 stories. And where is God? God is right here. God is speaking to you, but your heart has to be open. And the thing is that the remnant, those whose hearts are open, those who are receiving God's words, that they're actually going to be the judgment of the unrighteous. Because imagine two people die and they stand before God and God speaks to one and says, why did you live an immoral life? Why were you doing all these things? Oh, God, I couldn't help it. I came from a bad background. I got caught up in a bad crowd. And, you know, that's why I started doing this. And that's why I started sleeping with women. Or that's why I started sleeping with men. And then another person is standing right next to you. And the Lord says, well, tell me your story. And the person is like, well, you know, Lord, I came from a bad background and my parents died and I got caught up in this and that and that. But then I don't know. There was just something about it. There was just something about the way I was treating my body. There was something about the way I was treating other people. There's something about the way I was approaching daily life. 
And I just couldn't do it. I just felt that there had to be more. I got myself cleaned up. I got into a program. I went back to school. Right there, the testimony of the second person indicts the first person because the testimony of the second person says that you came from the same bottom. You came from the same bad foundation. The word of God says in Isaiah 11, if the foundation is broken, what can the righteous do? And these hopeless pastors will just say a verse like that and leave it. And then the person feels like, yeah, what can I do? What you do is that when a foundation is broken, any builder will tell you that you have to rip up the old foundation and lay a new one. It's as simple as one, two, three. I've been stunned all my life to sit in so many different religious gatherings, to listen to so many so-called podcasts, to sit in different churches. And pastors will bring up this verse and they're so hopeless. It's like putting on a shirt and forgetting to button it and then walking in the street and thinking that you're fully dressed. How do you bring up a verse like that and not teach the people what the answer to the verse is? Who says that because the Bible verse ends in a question, it means that it's a hopeless verse and there is no answer to it? The Lord expects us to be thinkers. The Lord expects us to eat this book and grow strong. If the foundation is broken, what can the righteous do? You have to do the hard work of ripping up the old foundation and laying a new one. So what? So you can continue building the house. You get no house until you lay the foundation. If the foundation is broken, you're coming from a background of sexual abuse. You're coming from a background of money mismanagement. You've gone broke and the economic crash is not even here yet. You're caught up in drinking, smoking. You're as high as this young woman that I saw at the bus stop tonight. The people's daughter, I mean, she needed a rope around her leg to tether her to the ground. High at 6 p.m. So high. Just, just a young woman. Various generations. And she's not alone. All the old people are getting high off weed gummies. Discovered weed gummies last year. Imagine that at my grown age. If the foundation is broken, what can the righteous do? The righteous have to do the hard work of getting hammer picks and that drill thing, that jackhammer, and breaking up the foundation totally and then doing the hard work, jumping in there with your little wagon and pulling all the broken bricks out and tossing them and laying a new foundation. You will not be able to tell the master Jesus Christ that the reason you never built a house here on earth is because the foundation was broken. Because then he will ask you, what should the righteous do? And then I'll be standing right there like, I know, Lord, I know. It's inevitable where we're going. So the time between the prophecy, this prophecy, if you're an old subscriber, this prophecy is years old in your ears. And, and to give God, let us give God his due. Let us give God his glory. Because the Holy Spirit has a way, will give me the same prophecy and it never comes the same way twice. If I have not spoken of this new military America ten times, then I've never spoken of it at all. There are endless witnesses to this prophecy. When I have time to watch it back, then I will put those, put those witnesses. I'll put the links for you. Um, because it takes time to find out where they all are. But this is the time to change. The unwise people, strange people cooked in the head, they're using this time to mock the word of God, which is, which it's, it's, it's suddenly something to see. It's certainly something to see. They're using this time when the prophecy is moving along from the time it was spoken to fulfillment. They're using this time, they're using the gap to say, see, Nothing happened. 
You see, it's a lie. Remember, the Bible says that if a prophet says something and it doesn't come to pass, do not be afraid of him. That's a false prophet. Imagine. We put our USBs, we put our little memory sticks into the computer, and then we say, copy 1,000 files. I know I do that often, copy huge amounts of files, and I leave it. And then it will say, time loading, one hour and nine minutes. What am I going to do in one hour and nine minutes? Sit and stare at my laptop? Of course not. I'm going to move on to do another task. I'm going to cook, or I'm going to go for a walk, stretch myself from my workstation. I'm not going to sit there and be staring at it and say, see, see, it hasn't copied the files. That, that's insanity. This is shows that there's gaps up there in the gray matter. The time period between the time of prophecy is spoken and the time the prophecy comes to pass is to change. It's to grow. It's to learn how to overcome the fear. It's to learn how to overcome you. We are our own worst enemy. The worst enemy is the person looking at you in the mirror. Second worst enemy is the people in your house who won't listen. And then when you get yourself together and this thing happens, guess what? And I've been saying it here for years. Righteous people, you get yourself together, you do all this work, and then guess how you're going to be repaid? Because this is the thing that is coming in the end times. None of us are going to escape unscathed. You get yourself ready, and then the people in your house are having the meltdown, and you're frustrated, and you're like, great. Now I'm in Celestial's dream. I'm living her dream. She said that all the people were hopeless and depressed and they were screaming and crying and rolling on the floor and throwing their toys. Here I am in a, in a family of three and I've been telling my husband for years and now he's crying and my teenager is crying and I'm the one who's prepared. And they're both in bed with depression. A whole man can't get out of bed. Why? Because he wouldn't listen. Because she wouldn't listen. A whole wife wouldn't listen. And so now she can't play her part in the survival strategy of the future. No, she's, 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 how could this happen? And yet she was writing all over the internet, like, I think those hateful prophecies are just not of God. And then guess what? That USB that you probably forgot about that I spoke about five minutes ago, it just goes, files completed. And then you wake up and tanks are on the street. And then you realize that the gap was the time to rip up the old foundation and lay a new one so that you can be ready when these things come to pass. I'm Celestial, and this is the Master's Voice. God bless you and keep you, and until I see you again, goodbye.